Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. What does another level look like? Take your Bible and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. Thank you. How many have enjoyed this five-star praise and worship all week? Let them hear your appreciation. Please welcome everybody that's watching online from all over the world. Give them a great hand clap. Thank you for being with us. Everybody say breakthrough in ministry. First Kings 17, 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. Say that with me. Elijah did what the Lord told him. You get all the information and have the Holy Spirit speak to you all you want. If you're going to go back to your church as a pastor and run the exact same service, If you've chosen a framework for your Sunday morning service that is prohibitive of the moving of God's Spirit, then it doesn't matter. You can have everybody lay hands on you. You could fly in everybody from all over the world that carries a, a strong anointing. You have to make the changes God speaks to you to make. Or you're choosing a framework that won't allow God to move. You know, if you're here and you're an evangelist, And this should be one of the reasons you enjoy coming to the minister's conference here is because we don't ignore evangelists. That's all I was up until 22 months ago. If you have pastors take your offerings for you, you can fast and pray till you look like somebody that the the allies are setting free from Ravensbrook in 1948. Skin and bones. You can sow all you want. You will be broke your whole life because they're not going to put their, it's not, that sounds like a knock against pastors because it is. Because if they receive your offer, they don't care. And they feel like you kind of preach too long. And let me get up real quick. And just real quick, if you have something to give, you know what? A service gone a little longer. We're just going to have somebody stand at the back. And uh, maybe if you want to bless uh, our brother, you can bring something on the way out. Uh, but God bless you as you go. You're not going to. You've chosen a framework that's anti-Bible. Offerings were not rushed into the temple or given on the way out of the temple. Offerings are holy unto the Lord. So I want to encourage you, what you see, Paul told Timothy, follow the pattern of right living that you learned from me. There's patterns in ministry. you, you, You can't just receive and go back to an assemblies of God structure and, and do things the way everyone's done them that stays at level one and then think somehow things are going to be different for you. You can't have a revival in 80 minutes. What are we at right now? Almost 60. You can't sing and have the anointing come in and preach and give an altar call for people to get saved and minister in the gifts. So what did Elijah do? Where am I getting this from out of 1 Kings 17? Go and live by Kareth Brook. Change where you're at. Change what you're doing. Do things that I'm telling you to do. People here, and I don't mean you, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 43. I've been in the ministry uh, 
20, 20 years, whatever, which I know people have been in a lot longer, but I, I've been in, <laughs> my 20 years is different than other people's 20 years. You know, somebody preaches su- Friday through, or Sunday through Friday, twice a day, 46 weeks a year for 20 years, and somebody preaches Sunday and Wednesday for 20 years, or, or for 40 years, who has more ministry experience? So I'm not saying, I'm not putting myself above people that, I'm just telling you, I, I pay attention. I've been around preachers my whole life. People nod their head and shout and clap and jump and roll around on the floor, and then they get up and do exactly what they were doing before. Give the same offerings, have the same setup, do everything the same, and expect things to be different, and they won't. There's no way anybody came here Tuesday night and has stayed here through now, and the Lord hasn't spoken one thing for you to do. The only thing you heard from the Holy Spirit is nod your head and lift the right hand and squint. No. If I pass the microphone around right now, people have specific things the Lord spoke to them to do. My wife mentioned it one of the other mornings that she said one of the things that stood out to her about me is if the Lord speaks to Jonathan to do something, he does it immediately. You know who I got that from? Abraham. And that same day, Abraham departed. Who has the Lord speak to them to leave their father's family and go to the land that he'll show them? They couldn't even tell anybody where he was going. I'm leaving my father's family. Where are you going? I'm not sure yet. Go to the land that I will show you. I haven't shown it to you yet. And I will make you a great nation. I'll make your name great. Your descendants will be great. And I will bless you. And that same day, Abraham departed. The only time you read Abraham not moving the same day is when the Lord spoke to him to sacrifice Isaac. There was somebody else involved, and it says early the next morning. When the Lord spoke to me about starting the the church in Fort Worth, That sounded like suicide to me. We're just cresting 700 on Sunday mornings. And I was just preaching in Texas for three weeks in June. I've been down there preaching. There's going to be people in Pittsburgh that think this guy's got one foot out the door. He's happy with this getting the 700. He's taken off for Texas like most ministers do, and we're going to lose people. But I just did what I was told, and it did the exact opposite. Stay down in Texas for three weeks and watch the church grow another 250 people with me not here. The Lord did it. There's a reward for obedience. Never let the devil convince you that there's a punishment for obedience and a blessing for disobedience. There's a penalty for disobedience, and there is a great reward for following the instruction that God's given you. You're going to swim in that reward the last two months of this year from November 10th through December 31st. You're going to enjoy that reward in Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you say amen? So I did it. The Lord spoke to me Friday. I announced it Friday night. My wife found out two hours before the people found out. Our media team was putting together the announcement video about starting a church in Fort Worth while I was preaching. That's why we announced it at the end. Everything doesn't need a massive consultation. When the Lord speaks to you, consultation time's over. Can you say amen? So the things that the Lord has spoken to you to do this week, your breakthrough is tied to not only doing them, but how quickly you're going to do them. Yeah, but if we do that, I got a couple board members. Some of you are already in your mind, no potential consequences for obeying. Well, you know, I got a couple of board members. I don't know how they're going to feel about that. Well, find out. Might as well have the showdown at the OK Corral now than live in misery for another 18 months. Can you say amen? 
Whatever bridge you have to cross, the time to cross it's now. Jesus is coming soon. I said, Jesus is coming soon. How long are you going to wait? You'd be amazed what God will do through your life when you prove yourself as somebody that will move right now. That same day Abraham departed. So Elijah, from the time the Lord told him to live by Kareth Brook, he's there in another verse. People that God uses move quickly. Reinhard Bonnke said, God moves with the movers. God goes with the goers. He doesn't sit with the sitters. People sit and wait and take two months to do things that take two hours. You know, you invite somebody to come to this, this uh, minister's conference. Hey, why don't you come uh, to the minister's conference with me Tuesday through Friday? Oh, I have, I'm leaving for a trip on Sunday. I have to pack. You're going to pack for five straight days? You can move a house faster than that. People, people have, I don't know, small things are big things to people. If you'll be somebody that makes big things, no big deal. Whether anything the Lord tells you to do, no problem, I'm there. What do you always hear Brother Copeland say? I'm yours to command. Just to do plainly says that all the time. If the Lord says it, do it, just move. You know, we announced we're starting a church in Fort Worth. We had no leads on any buildings. I didn't know any, any real estate people. But when you start moving, you're going to find if, if you'll show yourself to God as somebody that moves when he says move, things will move very quickly in your direction. And you're not going to hear this too many places because it's not encouraging sounding. If you drag your feet, God will find somebody that won't drag their feet. And I don't know about you. I'm, we're, we're faith people. We're not supposed to have fear. But I have a couple of fears. And they're all scriptural. And one fear... Is there being a young David that comes along and supplants me because I was goofing around and I miss the move of God and I watch another minister enjoying the success that I was meant to enjoy because God wanted to do something through my life and because I was so freaking slow. I don't have that much time to, to wait for you to mess around and run it by three people and, and wonder whether it's a good idea. I need somebody that'll come into this city and shake it by my power. And that's what God, I guarantee you, as you said here, a quickening has come upon you to, to move. Don't allow yourself to run it by people that are going to slow you back down. Make up your mind. When I leave Pittsburgh, I'm going back to where God's called me, and I'm going to do everything the Lord told me to do and shake that place, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. Come on, if you commit to that, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Come on, make a joyful noise on this Friday night. I'm moving. In me, God, God has found somebody that's going to move. You know, I, I, I loved hearing Bishop Dagg speak because it made me feel less crazy. How he said, I never have asked what anything costs. I just do that. You know, I do that. You, you speak to me about doing something, I'm doing it. I don't, it's not my business what it costs. If you work for a Verizon and they tell you they want a new headquarters, or new store built in San Diego. It's not your concern what real estate prices are in San Diego. That's their problem. It's your job to go do what Verizon sent you to do. And if you work for the Lord, God, what do you think? God needs reminded of cost? Uh, just so you know, Lord, steel has tripled in the last three years, and you've asked me to build a church. Yeah, I know. I own all the silver and all the gold. 
God never asks you to make it happen. He asks you to believe him and then prove your belief by action. And when you do, God will take care of everything that pertains to you. There are people that from today, your breakthrough is going to manifest like this. You'll never raise money for a project again. You will never raise money for a project again. You will move forward and see the windows of heaven open up. And before any need arises, the provision will be there ahead of time in Jesus' name. Somebody say breakthrough. Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I've commanded them to bring you food. And that's what we spent the bulk of this morning talking about. Your breakthrough is, is tied to your geographic assignment. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening and he drank from the brook. But after a while the brook dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. One of the themes of this um, breakthrough in ministry has been steadfastness and consistency. One reason why churches stagnate or just have growth and then lose people and grow and then lose people is they're not constant. They go seeker sensitive. Like some of you are going to come to this and learn about Holy Ghost ministry for five days. And then the next one you attend is going to be some cool one where they don't believe in any of that. And that's of the, the flesh. Your flesh wants a cool church or a cool evangelistic ministry that is not spiritual. So what people do, if you haven't noticed, is they go the cool route, but then they hit a point after about 12 to 18 months where because there's no Holy Spirit, their life starts drying up and they feel dead and they, they're not having fun in their own ministry. So then they go seek out somebody, hey, Pastor Rodney, would you come and hold a meeting at our church? Because they need refreshed. Then they get refreshed and go right back to the stale thing that's not working. Well, what happens? If you have church at the movies with popcorn in the sanctuary, you're going to attract a certain kind of person. And that type of person is not going to respond to you calling all night prayer. All night prayer, they won't even stand for prayer. They're the kind of people who say, if you feel comfortable standing for prayer, we invite you to stand. You think they're going to come and pray from 11 p.m. till 6 in the morning? So then all of a sudden you go, man, we need to flip a switch. We need to get on fire for God. Well, you have catered to people that not only are not on fire for God, but hate the move of the Spirit. So if, as you do that, out they all go. I don't want to hear about giving. I don't want to hear about financial breakthrough. I was here for popcorn and coffee. I'm out of here. And so then you lose them. Then you start attracting people like me because you're going the spiritual route. Then you decide to flip a switch and go back to seeker sensitive. And I'm gone. You lose and then you start bringing those people in. Pick a lane. If you have followed my ministry, I've been on the same track since I got out of Bible school. I am a faith preacher. I am a lay hands on the sick. Anoint with oil slash douse with oil. Cast out devils. Preach a long time and have a certain type of service. So we don't bleed partners because we're, we're, we're the same thing all the time. Stop going like this. Stop trying to make your own thing. I'm going to have a little bit of the word of faith movement and a little bit of people who hate the word of faith movement. You have a mess. When I'm not here, I'm at Pastor Rodney's. 
who's on the same track. Be followers of them who by faith and patience have obtained the promises of God. Paula Nietzsche, Dag Haywood Mills. We have one type of speaker that comes. They're all in the same family. The young Icho, Kenneth Hagin, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost and Fire family. Stop being ashamed of your family. Because you're, you're going you're gonna to pick up 30, lose 20. Lose 30, pick up 20. You're just going to do that your whole ministry because you, no one can have any confidence in you. Now, we believe in faith, but then at the same time, pick, pick one. Either be unbelief or be faith. Quit apologizing for things you don't understand. Just study to show yourself approved. Can you say amen? amen? Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, please bring me a little water and a cup. As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. So she got the water, but then when it came to the bread, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in the containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. In the first version of the New Living Translation, it says, no matter how much she used, verse 16, no matter how much she used, there was always plenty left over, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. I was preaching in Indiana, and there was a, two morning services. And in between the two morning services, I sat in the pastor's office, and for some reason, I got to that chapter and was reading that verse in the f first version. That's the, I think they're in version six now of the New Living Translation. So it just says there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers. In the original New Living Translation, it says, no matter how much she used, there was always plenty left over. And when I read it, it jumped up off the page and the Lord spoke to me in the office. There's a realm in the ministry where it doesn't matter how much things cost. You won't ever have to check your budget. No matter how much you use, there will always be plenty left over. And I was nowhere near that when the Lord said that to me. But we've been operating in that probably for the last three years, I'd say, where before any need arises, the provision's there ahead of time. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, it doesn't say I'll meet your needs. It says if you're hearken diligently to what I've told you to do, your storehouses will be filled with grain. Everybody say storehouse. So say this, before the need arises, the provision will be there ahead of time. That's how this breakthrough is going to manifest from this week. You will never play from behind again. You'll always be two crusades ahead. You'll always be ahead.
The offerings coming in today will not be to pay for last week's bill. They'll be to pay for something six months from now. Because God is a storehouse God, not a barely make it out God. Can you say amen? And I'm telling you, if you're the other way, where you need this week's offering is going to pay for past due bills, I've been there myself. But I have an announcement to make to you. Those days ended yesterday. From this day forward, you're going to operate from the overflow, whether the devil likes it or not. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. I said praise the Lord. Lord. It's a better way to operate. You know, if the money's always coming in the day before it's due or an hour before it's due, those make great testimonies, and they also make for stints in your heart. You can't live like that. You can't live. And yeah, even, even as the Lord comes there, I mean, we were praying in tongues, and they said if we didn't have it in 40 minutes, they were going to padlock our house and kick our children out of school. And then with five minutes, if the lady came and gave a check, that's great. But if you live like that, you're going to die. You can't live like that. God doesn't expect you to live like that. I said, God doesn't expect you to live like that. The ministry is not a struggle for finances. This is not PBS trying to keep Big Bird on the air. This is walking in financial overflow with the windows of heaven open, pouring out a blessing that's so great, you only have to worry about having enough room to take it all in. Welcome to that world in Jesus' name. And people don't believe it, and I don't blame them, but God does. Because it sounds fantastical. But how does it work? It's too simple for people. Believe it and speak it. That's what God wants you to do. You're born blind? Believest thou that I can make you see? Yes. As your faith is, so be it unto you. Yeah, but I know that. But then how's it going to come in? I mean, just the land's going to cost six million. Yeah, it's not your concern. Believe it, speak it. Thank you, Lord, that the righteous shall possess the land and dwell therein forever. That's all. You know how we got... 24.8 acres of land donated to our church by believing Psalm 34, announcing this year that the righteous shall possess the land and then quoting that scripture and it took 22 days and it was in hand. Believe it and speak it. No, I I know. I know the Bible says that, but yeah, yeah. I know the Bible says that, but is your whole problem. No, no, I know God. You know, God, he's, he's different. What do you think? God's like has problems mentally. I know God says the righteous shall possess the land, but you know, in reality, oh, in reality. So God lives in some cartoon world and you live in the real world. God created this world. When he says the righteous shall possess the land, he means if you're righteous and you quit saying stupid stuff and just believe his word and speak it, you'll possess the land. Many people that are here that rent, you're going to become landlords before the end of next year in Jesus mighty name. Somebody say, I believe it. it. And the proof that you believe it is that you speak it. You don't believe it when you feel like believing it and speak it when you feel like speaking it. You speak it when everything looks like it's going the other way. Believe his word, confess his word, and then act on his word. And that genuinely is how we have everything we have in our ministry. There's no way I can't take you into a back room and say, now listen, I preach that to the people, but here's what we really do. There's none of that. When I sowed that million dollars to Pastor Rodney, everybody say, your gift will come back to you. Say, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
Now, there was a time where we needed $3,200 a month to break even, and it took all my faith to believe for it. And then now, we need about $1.4 million a month to break even. Now, if I would have had to have that 14 years ago, I just would have died. Jesus, here I come. So, you know, if I have a week that I'm home, number one, I'm assigned by God. The sower sows the word. So I'm going to preach. That's what I do. And especially with a budget like that, I'm not real big on taking weeks off. Because I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm, just, I'm not going to sit around. I'm not stupid, you know. You know, feels like the last two weeks, finances have really dried up. What have you done in the ministry last two weeks? Well, we've just been believing. Okay. That might be why things have dried up. You have, to, you have to do what God's assigned you to do. Look at Jesse Duplantis. I follow this Twitter account called um, Pastor Planes. They track every preacher that has their own aircraft and just tell you where they're going. So I follow it. Not you know, It's made for people that are critical of preachers that own planes, but I'm just nosy, so I like seeing who's flying where. I mean, that guy's out five nights a week, six nights a week. So almost every time they do a tweet, he's flying somewhere to preach. He's 74, maybe 75, I can't remember. So it's not because he needs money, but people, look at Dag Haywood Mills. He came here straight from the Philippines, and now he's going uh, back to Ghana to preach for Sunday. That's why he left. I don't think he takes vacations. I don't think he would know what to do. Guys like that, you know, Kenneth Hagin took his first vacation at 70 years old. Now, I'm not advocating that. I take, I take one or two a year. But I'm just saying, and it's not because, like, they want to go on vacation, but they decided they're going to preach instead. They just, preaching's their vacation. They like the ministry. They like to teach and preach the word. I'm like that. You need to be like that. You, preaching can't be something you dread. Our senior pastor's going out of town, so I'm doing the Sunday night and Wednesday night. Maybe you're in the wrong line of work. You ever hear a plumber say that? I gotta fix a sink this week. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. So anyway, I was going to California to Pastor Michael's church in California in a week. I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do check the news in the morning, preach at night, do our church's services Wednesday and whatever else we have going on. And I'll I'll busy myself in the church. I felt the Lord speak to me Sunday afternoon after I finished my nap. And I wasn't tired or anything. I was just coming out of a nap. I felt great. Take this week and rest your body in preparation for your meeting in California. And I'll take care of this week. All right. I didn't want to. That, that actually took faith. It wasn't, oh, good, I'm tired. No, I would actually like to, 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 to move. I'm in my strong years. I was 42 then, 43 now. It's time to, time to work. So... I, I listened. I sat home. I didn't do one thing. I didn't go in for prayer. I did exactly what the Lord spoke to me to do. Now, since this is a minister's meeting, God will lead you in cycles. There's just like, that's why you don't hear me teach that I live a fasted life. Because the same God that prescribed fasting prescribed feasting. There's a time to party. There's a time to celebrate. It's stupid as a Christian to go to Thanksgiving. I'm fasting today. Fast sometime else. It's a, it's a day. I mean, we read that in the Bible. Today is not a day of mourning. 
I think we read that one day in church when I was preaching on joy, Nehemiah 8.10. Today's a day to, to, to celebrate, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So there's a, there's a feasting, there's a fasting time. There's times of extra study the Lord will call you to. And if you're an evangelist, there were times I was on the road and the Lord would speak to me very clearly, just chill this week and I'll take care of the meeting. So I'd watch like the Three Stooges, Tom and Jerry, just relax. You know, one night I was in uh, upstate New York. I got in really late and I felt the Lord. I was going to study for the morning. I got delayed driving. This is before I was married. And the Lord spoke to me, just go to sleep and I'm going to take care of the meeting tomorrow. So I did. Well, I was staying in the upstairs of the Assemblies of God Church, and on that same floor was the church library. So they had like an illegal guest apartment in the church. I don't think you can do that. There's like no windows. It's just like a storage unit with a bed. And then next door, across the hall, was the church library. They had a Christian school there, and there was a big library. So I went to sleep, and as clear as a bell. I mean, I might, I might remember... I don't know if I remember any dreams I've had in 43 years other than this one. I, when I go to sleep, it's over. So in the dream, I got up from my bed as clear as day, went to the library, got some concordances out and studied and wrote an exact message on paper, then went downstairs when it was time for church on Sunday and preached it. As I was preaching, I called three different people out and gave them words from the Lord. And they cried when I gave it to them. It was right on, laid hands on them, and they got healed. Gave an altar call, and a bunch of people got saved. When I woke up, it was so vivid. I thought, oh, my goodness, I, pro I think I overslept the service. But when I woke up, it was time to get dressed for church. I'm telling you, when I preached, I had, like, the notes in front of me in my head. I preached that message. The three people were right there uh, sitting where they were in the dream. I did exactly what I saw myself do in the dream, gave the altar call for people to get saved, and had a blowout meeting. And I remember the pastor asked me after, how long did you spend studying for that message? That was powerful. I thought, I don't really know how to answer that. How long did you spend studying for that message? Like in dream world or like in real life? Okay, forget I asked. Please don't come here anymore. So that was the Lord. Just rest. Go to sleep. Say, say what I had you say before. I'm going to have you say it again. Say, God's covenant is not with my ministry. It's with me. God actually cares about you. God actually cares about your marriage. God cares about your children. There's been times, you know, now it doesn't really take that much faith as far as me trying to believe because it's happened so much. I guess that's what faith is. You just believe like it's easy. But when I would first take 10 days off, it's like, man, I can't afford to have nothing come in. I got employees and everything. And it would end up being like inexplicably the best financial week that we had. Patrick's not his head. It was like unreal. It's like, maybe I should just stay gone all the time. Like, people, hey, thank God he's not preaching. Send him some money. Didn't have to hear him this week. So I, um, the Lord said, take the week off. So I took the week off. And I just thought, well, I'm not even going to ask Patrick about finances. I'm just going to trust the Lord. Live like a dummy for six days. Live like the people that I despise for six days that are just doing nothing and believing for the money to come in. So, Adalis calls me on Thursday. When are, you, are you coming into the office today? Well, I thought she was trying to make me feel bad. I said, I told you Sunday, I'm not coming in. Can you come in? Well, I said, what's going on? She's never done that. 
I said, uh, you know, can you just tell me on the phone instead of me driving and you tell me? No, I want to show you something. I said, just tell me, because now you have me. I don't even want to wait the 20 minutes to drive to the church. I'm, I, I'm nervous. She said, somebody came and brought a check today. I said, uh, how much? She said, guess. I said, 20,000? Higher. 50? No, nope. 100? 250? Nope. Half a million? No, a million. Well, that's the Lord taking care of the weak. Everybody say, my gift will come back to me. So a lady, a dear lady, and I don't say that just because I'm a Christian. She's a dear lady. She told Adalis, when I saw Jonathan give a million-dollar check to Pastor Rodney, I said, Lord, I want to give a million to Pastor Jonathan. Everybody say, he gives seed to the sower. So another way to say that is if God can get it in your heart, he'll get it in your hand. Most people don't have anything in their heart. They don't care. Best of luck, Dag, with your crusades. Amen. God bless you. We just believe for the money to come in for you. There's no, I want to do anything. So then when she decided that, she got a call, and they found an account in her husband's business who had passed that they didn't know about. She said, how much money is in it? They said, just over a million dollars. What would you like to do with it? She said, give it to me. Wrote the check out and flew it up, and on the afternoon, Gave it to my wife. Now, I tell you that for a few reasons. That was this year. I'm 43. This is a two-year-old church. Uh, Jonathan, I hear that, but like in our area, people don't really have much money. She's not from my area. We don't really have any members that have much money. You know, we have like a young church. She's not a member of my church. She's not from my state. God is not limited to where you live. It is, it is going to hinder your ministry entirely. If you think the offering is the only means, your Sunday tithing offering is the means of your supply. The Sunday tithing offering is to give the people a chance to come into financial covenant with God. Elijah was eating fine without this woman. Elijah ate fine. Right, listen now. In chapter 17, eight, uh, ravens brought him food. In chapter 19, an angel baked him pancakes. Read it. He did not need that woman's food. How I many know without your giving, we're not able to do what God's called us to do? You are going to suffer believing that. Because you're going to look at the people and then, well, you know, what can realistically come in in a crowd like this? That's a stupid way to think. Everybody say, God is my supply. When you read that story, do you think Elijah came there to get that woman to feed him because he couldn't get food? The purpose of her giving was not to feed Elijah. The purpose of her giving was to feed her and her son. They were down to their last meal and they were going to die. But when they got their money, their substance, involved with God's covenant, what was enough for one meal became an overflow and more than enough until the rain fell again. Say it so the devil can hear you. People are not my source. God is my source. And I'm telling you, on this last night, before I swing it to my wife, there is a realm of financial overflow that they don't teach about. We are not doing what we're doing by budgeting. Now, Patrick, stand up so people can see you. I, you know, Patrick is a, is a chartered accountant. We're not stupid. Everything's documented. I don't mean just live willy-nilly and grab money out of the offering. I'm not asking him. Never one time have I said, now, I'm, the Lord spoke to me to start a church in Pittsburgh. Is that in the budget? Was it in the budget? No. 
Think of this. The building was 1.6 million that we bought and it flipped to get it renovated. That Methodist church, the first church we bought and it flipped during the Biden era. Steel tripled. It went from 1.6 million as an estimate to 6.1 million. Hey, remember we told you it's going to be 1.6 million to redo that church? It's going to be 6.1 million. Oh, thanks. Nice to have a dyslexic contractor. Remember I said 1.6? I got the numbers turned around again. So what happened? God intervened. That building was going to be too small anyway. And God, by a miracle, gave us that 27,000 square foot, $5 million building. Then when we outgrew that, here we are by a miracle. Then the land. Then that's going to get built on. Then Texas. I'm not operating by my budget. I'm operating by my father's limitless supply. And so are you. You'll never be broke. You'll never be broke. You'll never be broke. Another day in your life. Not in Canada. Not in West Virginia. Not in Camden, New Jersey. Not in Chicago. Not Vancouver, not Toronto. The windows of heaven are open and the blessing is falling tonight. If you believe it, shout the loudest amen. Somebody say financial overflow. Now I'm going to tell you some stuff that might get clipped and put on the internet, but I don't care. You know, uh, uh, Jay, uh, Pastor Jay, my nephew, lift your hand so they can see you. You know, he knew me. He was 10 when I met him. When I had a Toyota Camry that couldn't get registered and was smashed in in the back. Don't pay any attention to where you're at now. Where you are now is not important. Pay attention to where you're going. And I'm telling you, if you get on this path, we are on a path that leads to millions and tens of millions and property and land and houses and impact. You're going to have everybody come out of the woodwork to remind you where you are and who you are now. So he's been with me for the whole ride. You know, his grandma, my mother-in-law, we were just laughing. Go over her house Sunday to have rice and, and beef or rice and pork, whatever she's making, with all my Puerto Rican in-laws. Have a good time. You know, I had a Rolex, stainless steel. I loved it. It was a beautiful watch. I never thought I'd have a Rolex. If you don't have a Rolex, I, I felt about Rolexes the way you do. Those are nice. Must be nice to be able to own one. That'll never happen to me. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. What the devil's convinced you, you'll never hold in your hand. You will hold in your hand in Jesus' mighty name. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he's not just going to take care of your ministry. He's going to take care of you. And I don't mean meet your needs. I mean give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Amen. Only believe and act on the word. Think of it now. Why Why didn't that woman give it first? She was willing to give water. She had a decent supply of that. She wasn't willing to give what was precious to her. And that's what people do. They'll participate in giving, but no, 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 I'll give this. But then this we need for, you know, this is our real thing that we need. That's our building fund money. When the Lord speaks to you to dip into that kind of money, 
It's to bypass the mortgage company. Pastor Abraham, stand up so people can see you. This is Pastor Abraham. He's a good guy. You know what he did? He didn't have a car. So he picked a Mercedes out and saved up and saved up $10,000 for the down payment. And he was in one of my meetings as my assistant and the Lord spoke. I didn't know any of that. It's not like I knew and said, now the Lord's speaking to someone here that's a pastor to give $10,000. And the Lord speaks to me that if you don't, you're going to be fired from wherever you work. No, no word like that went out. And in one of the offerings, he felt to take his down payment that he had saved up. How long did it take you to save up the 10 grand? Three months. Believing for a car. Finally gets the down payment and the Lord speaks to him. Give the, give the 10,000 in the offering. So he does. I don't know a thing about it. I don't count the offerings. And we land. And he's loading my vehicle up from the plane to the car. Then I said, how are you getting home? He said, I'll, I'll Uber. You heard Bishop Dagg say, you must have some angel moving things in your direction. See, there are, the reason I wrote that book, The 20 Laws That Govern the Financial Anointing, there is a spiritual flow to money. I saw a lady on Oprah say she fasted, not a Christian. I fasted, New Age style, 21 days. And on the 21st day was when I uh, got a call from so-and-so and was put on an infomercial. And that's what led to me being on Oprah today. And my my... My thing blew up. So they, there's people that tap into the dark realm for that stuff. But do you think the devil has a greater control on wealth than El Shaddai, your father, the God of more than enough? So just like you can... Now, you got three ways to go about money. You can do it the NPC way. I work, I save, I, I invest. You know, for 4% a year, 5%. I'm not knocking. Well, I kind of am knocking it. So you can do it the like well-managed, normal way, compound interest, and year 20, it starts to really balloon. You can do that. That's better than being a bozo. You can do it the devil way. You can do blood sacrifice, crystals, whatever, and do it the devil way. And it comes out all the time. By the way, I'm telling you ways. I'm not advocating ways. You know, Jonathan, he used to take a stand for righteousness. Then he began to advocate blood sacrifice to the devil for financial gain. That's kind of when we lowered our monthly support. You have, um, how many celebrities in interviews have mentioned things like that? But, uh, or it comes out, you know, what goes on in Hollywood or whatever. So there's that. Then there is God's way that's higher than all other ways. There is the net Breaking, boat sinking, cast your net on the other side and you'll catch some fish. Go and catch a fish. And the first fish you catch, there'll be a gold coin in his mouth. Pay your taxes and my taxes. There is a wind that blows quail from heaven. There is manna that falls from heaven. There is dew that falls from heaven. There is a God. Hallelujah. I think I just woke up. There's another way to live. Where God is your supplier. That lady couldn't have budgeted a cruise of oil and a jar of meal to last three years. Wouldn't have mattered how she budgeted it. They'd have just died slower. And this is why it's not that I'm knocking budgeting and stuff, but I mean, you know, I'm a, believe it or not, despite everything my sport coat communicates, I'm a sensible person. 
And Patrick is a, Patrick's a German accountant. We have a board meeting for some reason. Required by law every February. <laughs> Was Fort Worth Church in the board meeting this year? And expect there's no clue. There's no. <laughs> I had as much plan to start a church in Fort Worth as I did to start one on Mars. None. So, well, the Lord spoke to me to start a church in Fort Worth. Let's get it in the budget for next year. Let's call our biggest partners, see if they'll commit some funds. We'll take a challenge offering, see what we can get. I mean, that's better than no plan, but that's human thinking. His ways is higher. See, that's where there's the difference between the lady and Elijah. How, you tell me how in the world I'm going to make a meal for you and I'm going to be all right. You out of your mind? I'm about to die. See, if you, and it's almost like the last bridge people have to cross. It takes a lot for people to cross that bridge in the area of divine health and healing. So you're telling me that Jesus will be my healer and I don't have to. We have a book coming out, How Jesus Heals Without Doctors, Hospitals, or Medicine. Because that's the button. It's not that we're against any of those things. Other than Dr. Fauci. But everybody say there's a higher way. Just like loans aren't a sin, but everybody say there's a higher way. Now say this, I choose the higher path. Well, the giving is what chooses the higher path. And now it hits a point. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes 11. You can put it up in the King James. I, I have New Living Translation, but I'll probably refer to the King James. Well, let me just do King James on the screen. Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Do you know what that means? Get your money in circulation. What did Jesus say? Now, I know what I'm about to tell you is going to fly in the face of everything you learned as an American your whole life. Save up for retirement. The goal in America is to save up for retirement. So if that's your goal, then don't do what I'm telling you to do. Because my goal is not to save up for retirement. My goal is to, to do the work of the Lord now. I'm not waiting until my wife turns 70 to start taking her out, go on a carnival cruise once a year, and then eat oatmeal. Cast thy bread upon the waters. For after many days, it'll come back to you. It's not throwing it away. It's, it's putting it in circulation. As much as it would have been nicer to hold the $200,000 and not give it to Dag's Crusade in the natural and have an extra 200000 that 200000 who knows what it's going to do. You know, we have our own plane now. Pastor Rodney has his own plane being donated to him. He'll have it in February. You know what I told him? I said, me and you should fly to Gaza and just, just take everybody out ourselves like, like modern Bible characters. <laughs> then I wrote him on text message, and Jonathan and Rodney flew to Gaza and slew many of Israel's enemies and won a great victory for the Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah, just fly over, beat everybody up, fly back. Again, as you can tell, I have a serious video game addiction. It's starting to bleed into my regular life. 
let's fly over and beat up all the enemies of Israel. Hey, why don't you take a nap? Cast thy bread upon the waters, for you shall find it. But I'm telling you, I half want to do it because I could picture people. Did you hear what Jonathan and Rodney did? They flew over to the West Bank and beat everybody up and then flew back home. Those guys are crazy. <laughs> Pastor Rodney's in a floral Robert Graham shirt with the sleeves rolled up. <laughs> those blue glasses. We both arrive in the West He's got those blue glasses, that vest, and the floral shirt, and I'm dressed like I own a nightclub in Persia. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> now, obviously, I would die in the first five seconds, but it's it's a great thought. <laughs> Coming up on CNN, the war in Israel's over. Two lunatics. <laughs> We land. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many feel joy and victory in this place? My wife's going to preach. I don't know where she's at, but I'm keeping an ear open for the dangling of hoop earrings. Ecclesiastes 11.1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for you'll find it. At, not you might find it. You will find it after many days, too. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. That means, that means sow a lot of places. Invest a lot of places. Don't have it all in one thing. We sowed a seed of $1,000, and then we've been waiting for the harvest. That's no. Keep it going. I'm not sowing 200000 to Dag Haywood Mills for this crusade and the, you know, waiting. No, 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 no. Keep it going. For thou knowest not what evil shall be on the earth. Three. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or the toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Four. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regards the clouds shall not reap. One translation says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never do anything. One day when I'm a millionaire and my retirement fund's filled and I've paid my house off and then we're debt-free, I'm going to start giving to the work of the Lord. All right. You do your way. I'll do my way. I'll do the plain collecting way. I'll do the somebody feeling to give you a million dollars way. You know, one of the places I went to preach, they charge tickets. And I've, anytime I've ever found that out, I only made a big stink about it recently. But in the, in the past, if I found out there were tickets at a place I was preaching, I just wouldn't take any money. So I didn't take any money at this place and was you know, prepared to take a massive loss. You charter a plane there, you come back with nothing. That's not a good business plan. I'm walking down the healing line. A lady steps out of line and hands a check to me. I said, thank you. Put it in my suit. Kept praying for people. I remembered on the drive to the plane to go home and looked it up, $45,000. I promise you I left there with any more than any of the guest speakers did. No offer. I'm not trying to get money. Money's trying to get me. Because in the beginning when you start sowing, it's like this isn't working. But the Bible says then when your cloud becomes full, and I don't know when we hit that point, but we hit that point where the cloud is so full one check, immediate. that's why you hear a lot of my testimonies. It's like, we gave, and then the next day, we gave, and two weeks later, it takes no time. Because we've been filling that cloud for a long time, and it wasn't always like that. But then one day, 
You hit your breakthrough, and it's a new day, baby. And I'm telling you, that's where you're going. That's where you're going. The plowman shall overtake the reaper. Things are not going to continue like they've always been. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. Let me see it again. Ecclesiastes 11. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. You know, if I was a normal person, I would say, Brother Dag, we'd love to do, pay for, one day we're going to pay for one of your crusades. Right now I'm building a church in Fort Worth and one in Pittsburgh, so that's going to be several million dollars. And then when I get my stuff done, I'll start giving. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. Five. As thou knowest not which is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Six. In the morning sow thy seed. Who wrote Ecclesiastes? I know the Holy Ghost did, but who's the, who's the human author? Who was the richest man who ever lived? So you could title this book, Secrets of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived. Solomon had more money than Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and Jeff Bezos put together. And he's telling you how he got it. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not which whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Jonathan, what seed do you think it is that you gave that triggered the jet? or the, I don't know. I cast my bread upon the water. I give a portion to seven. I just keep sowing every time I feel to sow. And I don't care. I'll find out, maybe I'll find out when I get to heaven. I don't know that I care. Just, just let it fling it. Seven. Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. So I pause there. Now, Solomon is telling you, he's not telling you about budgeting. He's telling you to sow. Because how did Solomon become the richest man who ever lived? First Kings chapter 3. And that night Solomon gave 1,000 burnt offerings to the Lord. You know how many you were supposed to give? Seven. Oh, you want seven? I'll see your seven and raise you 993. Oh, you want seven burnt offerings, Lord? Solomon wasn't arguing about tithe. You want 10%? Is it of the gross or the net? No. You want seven? I'll give you 1,000. And that night, because I didn't learn that in Sunday school. Sunday school, they made it sound like God randomly picked Solomon to make him the richest man who ever lived. But that night, Solomon so, Solomon so loved the Lord that he gave, motivated by love, a love for God's kingdom. Now, when Bishop Dagg was preaching last night, you could feel that love for souls. And we took an offering after. I said, let's pay for that crusade. It's going to be 300000 I said, I'll give the first hundred. Well, you know what came in for the whole crowd, 800 people? $108,000 besides me. So you're telling me in a crowd of 800 people plus 2,000 watching at a time online, no one else has 100,000? I don't believe you. I'm not saying this discouraged. The money that's come in this meeting it has been supernatural. I'm preaching this to give you one more chance to get on my train. Because that's why I get the blessing of a congregation of 800 people personally. And 800 people divide up what I enjoy personally. Because I don't, I give what a congregation full of people give. Anybody ever hear of Pastor Enoch Adeboye? Head of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Did you know when he was just a worker in the church? The head of the church who was a prophet said, 
A need has arisen in the church. Called 80 workers together. A need has arisen in the church. To meet it, I need every worker to empty their bank account and bring it to the church by the end of the week. So he said, my wife and I, we'd only been saved a few weeks. We went and emptied. I'm not saying this to, to put in your idea to empty your account. I'm not telling you to do anything. I don't count the offering. I won't know what, I don't care. The, the thing I care about is for people to connect the dots. I'm not getting lucky. Pastor Rodney's not getting lucky. I've lost count of how many preachers, widows, he pays for their, their 24-hour care and assisted living home. It's got to be 30 by now. Never says a thing about it. Might not want me saying anything about it. Just so and so, 30,000 to this guy, 100,000 to this guy. Not. And in it comes. And then everybody else knows how to clap and stuff. I know everybody can't give 100, but there's no way that 2,800 people, I'm the only one with 100,000. There's no way. It's because people think you have to have 10 million in the bank to give 100,000 when really you just need 100,000. People think you have to be a millionaire to give $1,000. You just have to be a thousandaire. 10,000, you need like 12 grand. Leave two for you, give 10 to God. I'm telling you, Patrick, am I blowing smoke or is that how we've always done things? I told, I told the Lord, get me to 3 million, 1 million goes to pay. I didn't wait till I was a billionaire. Look at these freaking Amazon. We're donating, we're donating $100,000 to hurricane relief. $100,000 as a billion dollar company. You should do it privately so you don't sound like such a schmuck. So I've been hanging around with some Jewish people and their language is rubbing off them. You should be embarrassed to give 100000 as, as the richest corporation on planet Earth. That's a shame. $100,000 to hurricane relief? What are you going to do? Put five concrete slabs on a sidewalk? Put one porch back on a restaurant? What are you going to do? That, that, and they hold a big check. People do that in church. March a $100 bill down like it's a million dollars. Why does a $100 bill look so big in an offering plate and so small on a cracker barrel table? You're going to take four people out to eat after church? You're going to go, go more than 100 bucks. Well, not a Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel, you could feed the 5,000 for under $100. <laughs> if Jesus was in ministry right now, he would have just taken the 5,000 to Cracker Barrel. Everybody get what you want. <laughs> so, you know, I'm paying the 300,000, you know. So I'm giving you a chance because I'm happy to do it. But I'd rather, instead of me, see, Pastor Ed in Costa Rica, he's a giver. So he, the Lord speaks to him to start a second church, and he had the same exact thing replicated to him. A businessman came and said, I want to donate a plane and a pilot to help you get to your other branch every Sunday. So it replicates. But he gives it at, at my type level. I'm talking percentage-wise. You can't give what you don't have. I'm not saying everybody should give 100. I'm just saying. There's no chance out of 2,800 people I'm the, that I give 100 and everyone else together gave 108. It's bullcrap. So Enoch Adeboye and his wife, they haven't been saved that long. The head guy said to empty the account. They go and empty their entire bank account, close the account, and bring the full amount to the church. Two weeks later, they have the workers meeting. And the prophet said, praise the Lord, gentlemen. The need has been met. But I'm curious. How many of you actually emptied your entire bank account and brought it? He said, my wife and I raised our hand, thinking everybody would raise their hand. We looked. We were the only two. And he said, the old man stood up, 80 years old, and said, thus saith the Lord. It was a test. And because you were willing to do what no one else was willing to do, I'm going to take you where no one else will go. 
And there were other guys. He had been saved six weeks or so as a university student. There were assistant pastors that had been assistant pastors for 35 years, waiting for the guy to die to take the denomination. But when he got ready to die, he called a meeting and turned it over to him. At 30-some years old, people were angry. And now it's the largest denomination on the face of the earth. Churches in 190-plus countries. Churches in countries that don't allow churches. Jordan gave them permission to have a church. Israel gave them permission to have a church. And it was triggered by that seed. That night, Solomon gave 1,000 burnt offerings to the Lord. And that night, the Lord appeared to him and said, Tell me what you want. I'll give you anything you want. Um, I want a wise and understanding heart. I feel like a child. I don't know how to take care of a nation. All right. I'll give you what you asked for. And because you didn't ask for the death of your enemies or anything, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. You will be the richest man that the world's ever seen. And that heartfelt seed triggered a supernatural offering, a supernatural harvest. I stand by what I'm about to say. Most Christians will live and die, and particularly most pastors and especially evangelists. Most evangelists have especially have never sown anything. There was an evangelist that told my dad when he was starting out. This was a well-known evangelist. Tiff, when you travel, have them reimburse your travel, have them reimburse your hotel, give you your honorarium, get all your suits dry clean before you leave, and give the receipt back for reimbursement, and you'll never have to spend the dollar of your own money on the road. Like I never sewed. There's a way as an evangelist, you never have to sew. Every, everything's always coming to you. So if you're not careful in the ministry, you get in the habit of collecting, but you never give. And all I want to do tonight on this final offering of this great conference is give every pastor and evangelist a chance to reverse course. You can't go to another level with the same level of sowing. There has to come a time where you put another zero on the check. And tonight would be a good night to do that. You know, I was walking into Pastor Rodney's minister's conference probably about seven years ago. And uh, Pastor Allen said, a lady gave me a check to give to you. I said, thanks. I put it in, the, in my coat pocket. So when Pastor Rodney's taking the offering, Adonis and I always made a point. Every year when we go to the minister's conference, we're going to sow more than we did the time before. And it... That's, that's the secret. If you see the growth of the ministry, that's the secret. We have, Pat, have we ever remained at the same level of sowing for more than a handful of, of months? Just keep pushing it. Now we're at a million. Soon it'll be two and a half, then five. You watch. I know where I'm going. Because, it, because seed produces after its kind. When you sow, you reap. You don't reap what you sow. It comes back more. So Adela said, how much do you want to give? I said, 10,000. She said, that's what we gave last time. I said, yeah, but it's 10,000. It's a lot. So then she was just staring at me. So I thought, all right, seems like you're in the spirit and I'm not. So what do you want to give? So let's do 20. Let's double it. Well, we probably had 30,000 total. Let's give 20. All right. I'd rather not. In my flesh, I'd rather have 30 in the bank than 10 in the bank and 20 in the offering. But go ahead. Then Pastor Allen's texting me. Look at the check. It's a lot. Well, a lot's different to different people. So he keeps texting me. So, all right, I'll look. I look. It's a check for me for fifty thousand dollars. Put it back. I said to the dust, make it thirty. <laughs> she went, really? I said, yeah, I'm playing with house money. Amen. <laughs> now, if you've never had this happen, you will have it happen. 
where the Lord is speaking to you about some amount that seems astronomical to give. It's bigger than anything you've ever given. And you'll get home and there'll be a check for that exact amount that was already waiting there. So everyone say it's a test. All the Lord, the same net goes out for everybody and the Lord just wants to see who's interested. The last thing I'll tell you before we receive the offering and I introduce my invisible wife. That's what, everybody say Solomon so loved the Lord. Something got in my heart when I was eight or nine years old in church where I'd see a rich guy come and bring a big check and then the church would play a praise song and everyone would be happy. They were celebrating what they received, but I thought it'd be better to be the guy that can give it than the person who needs to receive it. And from that age, I thought to myself, Lord, I want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that's praise the Lord. Someone came. I want to be the someone who brought the supply. And God answered my prayer. If I come to a church service, you can tell the preacher gets happy. Oh, he's here. I'm about to get blessed. I'm not looking for who's going to bless me. I'm looking for who to bless. And the blessing never leaves my life. So again, I'm not telling you to give 100000 I'm telling you, people should give at a higher level in America than what they give. Because they used to. That's how the gospel went all over the world from America. And that's why Americans, there's more millionaires in this country I think, than the rest of them put together. And more billionaires in this country than the rest of them put together. There's a reason. Because guys like, I mean, Getty, Getty Oil from Texas, that guy, that guy built a zillion churches. I don't even know if he went to church or not. Americans had in their heart to do substantial things for the kingdom of God. And somehow I think TV preachers knocked it down to how many of you give $81 for the Psalm 81 anointing? $81. How many of you believe in for breakthrough? The Psalm 1... 112 anointing for those that give 112, $112. Now, what is that? That's a sacrifice if you're in your early 20s, maybe. That's a, you talk to, you're talking to people that got money, got iPhones, got cars. They've never sown a car size seat. I'd make up my mind. When I go to heaven, I'm not going to have to apologize to the Lord. I, sorry, I thought you weren't going to come so soon. I was planning when I got older. No. Whatever you're going to do, do it now. Whatever's in your heart to do for the king, and make tonight the night that you get the ball rolling and watch what God does for you. If you weren't here in the beginning of the week, this week, I haven't even shown my wife this yet. We haven't, I've just been there the day we received it. This is what was delivered to our ministry, and I'm not allowed to go into financial details, but I'm telling you, it is a miracle. A miracle. And there are, no, there are no financial miracles in the realm of aircraft. There are no deals. There's no deals. There's just bad deals. The cheapest plane is a lot of money. The fuel is a lot of money. There's no way around it. There's no discount plane place. And if there is, don't fly on the plane. <laughs> We've rejected bids before when we were chartered in aircraft. Like, that's a little too good a deal. I don't want $1.99 sushi, and I don't want a $2,000 jet ride. Then <laughs> you say amen. Pilot's got a glass eye. <laughs> Missing a shoulder. Bomber jacket from the 1960s. <laughs> Ready to go wheels up, Reverend. I'm going to sit this one out. And then we got a call that this... This 
organization that has a dream to outfit gospel preachers with their own planes and take care of them for them. Sent one to us. I thought I would have been like the 11th one they gave one to. Obviously, I'm not no, the first. Who am I? I'm the first. Pastor Rodney's going to be the second in February. They're getting him one, Falcon, Falcon 900. And you're going to be on that list before it's all said and done. I said you're going to be on that list before it's all said and done. Amen? Watch this great testimony with me as a celebration and monument to what's possible with God. Roll it. There's no shortage of money. It's just in the wrong hands. God is going to do something about that in 2023. I said God is going to do something about that in 2023. Groundbreaking generational financial testimonies. The wealth that's being kept in cisterns, thought secured by wicked men, will be tapped this year and flow like a mighty river into the hands of the righteous. Groundbreaking generational financial testimonies. The kind you'd hear about once in a lifetime in church will become the order of the day in 2023. Financially speaking, 2023 will be an extra bad year to be wicked and an amazing year to be righteous. Give the Lord a great hand clap. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just so we're all clear, the day would have come, if that would have come four years ago, I couldn't have afforded the hangar. Correct? It would have been a major strain to get the hangar. You're not allowed to park it in the back of a Walmart. They get mad. So you need a place to put it. They're not cheap. I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. It's amazing how that man that owns that organization said, in two years, I'm going to give you a jet. It's going to take me about two years to get it ready, and then I'm going to give it to you. And it, to, when, if he'd have given it to us right then, we just had to say thanks, but no thanks. We're not really in a position to be able to do that. And then in two years. So you think, without me knowing it, because I, I didn't even know who that guy was. When he told me I'm going to give you a jet in two years, I was like, yeah, sure you are. Just like an old lady tells you, when I win the lottery, I'm going to give you $10 million. Like, okay. I don't think it's going to happen. But then who knows what seeds the Lord was speaking to me to that made it where the fuel's not a problem and the hangar's not a problem and the pilots aren't. There'd have been a day where to pay the $1,000 per pilot per day and put them in a hotel. I, 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 don't, I can't do it. I can't give me $1,000 a day and put me in a hotel. But those days are over. And they're never coming back. And your days of struggle ended yesterday. Receive your breakthrough tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For your business. For your family. For your children. I once was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen a seed out begging for bread. If you receive it, let your hallelujah be the loudest. Come on, let your hallelujah be the loudest. You can be seated. Hold up your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope if you're watching online. 
So what, we're at 208,000 for that $300,000 crusade. One person should finish it off. You can't finish it off, give your first 50. Never given your first 25 tonight would be a night. Don't stay at the same level. Don't do anything the Spirit doesn't speak to you to do. I'm not giving you, I can't. I'm trying like Elijah did when the lady said, I'll give you water, but I won't give you bread. No, don't be afraid. Do what the Lord said. That's all I'm trying to do. The offerings for this, th these meetings probably exceeded my expectations by after Wednesday morning. So there, if I seem pressure free, I'm pressure free. But I really would like for you to have your own video that inspires people. And your testimonies will inspire people. If you get some kind of generational breakthrough at 26 years old as a minister, it's going to inspire everybody coming out of Bible college. Amen? Hold your hand up if you'd like an envelope. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, and you click give now. We're going to send you some thank yous for what you give. Revivaltoday.com, and you click give now. Any size, we're going to send you exploits in ministry by Bishop David Oyedepo to say thank you. $250 or more. We're going to send you exploits in ministry and 35 questions for those who hate the prosperity gospel. 1,000 plus, everything you see up top. And then 10,000 plus, everything up top, plus a Dake Annotated Reference Bible and 60 of Dag Haywood Mills' books. That's our way of saying thank you. That is not your harvest. Give you one minute to get that ready. Revivaltoday.com. Give now. Thank you for your generous giving online. If you've not partnered with our ministry, we went from two partners to 14,000 somehow. And this is our newest magazine, Nothing But Victories. It recaps what no eye has seen. It's definitely the best publication we've put out. It has there's D Bishop Dagg's messages from what no eye has seen. We'll send that to you. Thank you to all our 14,000 partners all over the world. We love you. If you're making out a check, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7. Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Thank you to every veteran in attendance and watching online today. Give our veterans a great hand clap. <laughs> Hasn't this been an awesome week? If you're in New England, I'll be in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, Sunday night through Friday night. That's me back when I lost my razor. 7 p.m. only. If you'd like to watch the UFC fight with us tomorrow night, 107 Patton Drive. We're going to be showing that for our total bro men's ministry. And uh, the seniors brunch, 11 a.m. Same place. 11 a.m. seniors breakfast. Although if you're a true senior, it's more like dinner at that point. <laughs> and then... Uh, the fight at night. This Sunday, what channels are we on this Sunday? Both of them or just one of them? Both. This Sunday, our Revival Today church services will be carried on Real America's Voice News Network and Faith TV on, on uh, Direct TV. So we'll be on two, ch two different platforms are carrying our service. One a secular news channel, one a Christian channel. So this is a big Sunday in Fort Worth and, and Pittsburgh. If you're in Texas, you can join us at Revival Today Fort Worth. If you're in Pittsburgh, you can join us right here.
at the Montour Junction Sports Complex. Jesus is Lord. 9 a.m. in Texas, 10 a.m. in Pittsburgh. What a year. And I'm believing that in the last two months, God's going to crown it with even better things. Amen? Hold your seat up before the Lord. I thank you, Father, for a hundredfold return on every seed that's sown. I pray you do for every giver tonight what you've done for Dallas and I. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man will become the normal order of the day for them. That the question they'll have to answer most this year and next year, how did you get that? Where did that come from? How were you able to do that? I don't understand. And it would give them the opportunity to give glory to God. In Jesus' name. Everybody set? Keep your offering lifted. Say this, I'll never be broke another day in my life. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and receive the offering. Go ahead and play a song of victory as they receive it. In Jesus' name.
to Pastor Dallas Shovelsworth as she delivers the finale of the inaugural Breakthrough in Ministry. Come on, give Jesus a great hand clap. Lift your hands. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for your... Is there a dog in here? Oh, it's in the back. I'm sorry. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for every minister uh, that's here in this place. And I thank you, Father, that tonight they receive every desire of their heart, what they came for. I thank you, Father, for the fulfillment of those things tonight in Jesus' name. We thank you that tonight is a night of leveling up. A change of levels belongs to everyone in this place. I thank you for turnarounds and breakthroughs. And I thank you, Father, for impartation. Everything good that this ministry has to offer, I pray that they receive it now in the name of Jesus and all God's people said amen. amen why don't you turn around and greet your neighbor say hi how you doing make yourself friendly these are our brothers and sisters all right that's enough sit down it's already nine o'clock so uh, my husband asked me to just talk to you a little bit about what I've learned in 17 years of ministry, and uh, we're going to bump mics tonight. So whenever he feels, you announced it as us bumping mics, so don't be surprised. Uh, so whenever he feels like coming up and, and giving his spin on whatever... I feel... Nope, you're going to do what you said. You, you got me involved. I feel it would be nice to hear from the wife's perspective what it's like to, to go on the thing. And I, Adalis, I'm not saying this because she's here. We have a very happy marriage. I don't have to score any points. Having said that, I could not have a finer wife in the ministry. I'm not saying this because she's here. I'm not saying so people could say, ah, and all that. I'm telling you. She is a plus plus. And so I feel like it would be good on the final night. Not like it's only going to help the wives. It'll help the husbands. It, it, it'll give an impartation because our marriage, both things are 100%. We give 100% to the ministry in our marriage. I was telling her, I think we've had four major arguments this year, like where it got loud. All of them were about conflicts about me wanting to spend more time with her. That's it. So they're not even like real fights. Just like, no, let's go on vacation. No, I, do, I can't do this. With, Come on, let's get away. Like that kind of thing. We love each other. As the ministry's grown, our love's grown. And I want that for everybody. I want you to have what she has in her spirit that makes for a, an easy marriage and an easy ministry. And you're going to receive that from her tonight. Okay, having said all that, you can come up and bump mics. Okay, so I'm just going to give you five different things real quick about what I've learned in 17 years of ministry. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. Uh, the number one thing, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to need your help back there with the Bible because it, it'll go by a lot faster if you help me out. James 4, 7. 
It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's another version that says, so give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. One of uh, the, the top five things I'm talking to you today about is really the top five questions that I get asked the most in ministry. And it's it, it, the first one is, is formed in how can we get a ministry like yours? How, what, what steps do we have to take to facilitate the growth that you guys have, uh, gone through in the last, uh, two years? And the number one thing I've learned in 17 years of ministry is if you want a successful ministry, you have to give everything. Not just what's left, not 50%, not 89%. You need to give you're all. Can you say amen? amen? And so it says in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you a living sacrifice? I, 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 I preached somewhere, I don't remember when, but the title was, you play too much. You play too much. Everybody wants this kind of ministry, but they're not willing to give everything. And so you have to start there. You have to make up your mind tonight that whatever, uh, uh, you know, whatever's thrown at you, whatever comes your way, whatever kind of distraction, whatever kind of feeling you're going through, especially the ladies here, you know, it, it, it's really important to have a, a tunnel vision when it comes to the things that God has spoken to you about concerning your ministry, concerning your life. You have to be one-sided about where you're going. And it's one thing that Jonathan, I feel like, you know, 17 years now we've been married. 17 long, hard years. Just kidding. <laughs> Jonathan's like, mm. no, 17 glorious years. But I, I look back and I, I look at him and I think to myself, nothing has changed with, with Jonathan. If you, if you take a look at the, the DVDs that we created back in 2007, 2006, it's the exact same message, except his voice is a little higher. And I, I really, from day one, I, I remember looking back and thinking to myself, you know, what if we do this because the finances were sticky? And, and I just, uh, um, I thanked him not long ago about, bringing me on and believing in me and, and being one-sided about where we were going. See, because when I got married, I thought I was getting married to Billy Graham. You couldn't tell me otherwise. Turns out it wasn't Billy Graham. <laughs> I was like, where are we? Chillicothe, where the H is this on a map? <laughs> also, this church smells like cat pee. <laughs> So, uh, I remember, you know, but, but, but like hitching my, my wagon to yours and thinking to myself, like, we're going to the top. It might not look like it right now, but I know where we're going. And, and you provided that kind of vision for, for me 
to see in the future and know exactly where we're headed. And, and whenever things got really sticky, whenever I felt like maybe I should get a, a job at Macy's, I mean, I could have gotten all, like I could have gotten so many other job opportunities, but I just thought Macy's, okay? And so I, I, it was Christmas time. It was like around the time it was now. And uh, I, I knew that we had like Christmas presents that we had to buy. And uh, the bills weren't paid and it was getting a little sticky. And so I didn't want to be that wife that nags. Can you say amen, ladies? I didn't want to be like, hey, bills are coming up. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. So all I said was, hey, why don't I get a position? Why don't I just get a part-time job and I'll join you whenever I can. I'll meet you somewhere and, and we can go about this, um, you know, the way we can right now. We had, our car, we had our car repossessed a few months before that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's important for you to know this. So uh, I remember looking at him and he just like, he dropped his controller because he was playing Call of Duty at the time. <laughs> we had enough money to get the uh, membership online and stuff. <laughs> Priorities. But he dropped his controller and looked up at me and he's like, are you kidding me? I'm not, I'm not leaving you behind. Like, you're coming with me. We're doing this together. And I thought, well, shoot yourself in the foot. I don't know what to tell you. This is, and, but well, I'm think so. Of it, I, I've been, the way I thought of it, it's like I was traveling by myself for four years. I, I didn't marry you to still travel by myself and like just pick up a Puerto Rican and get her to, at the Macy's makeup <laughs> counter and they keep going. I basically would have just been a Macy's recruiter. I wanted you with me. And somehow I knew when that happened that that was a turning point. It's like, if I did that, then it was like a 60, 40% chance of divorce because she's going to have her own life. I'm going to have my life on the ministry. We're not together. She's not going to stay on the same spiritual track with me. That's why I kind of dropped. And I, <laughs> in the natural, that sounded great. Second, but I thought, no, this is the devil. This is, and we're not doing it. And I, that's when I told her. And as I'm saying it, my mind's screaming at me. How? But I said, I know right now, there's not money, but it's not going to stay like this. Let me figure this out, and I'll figure it out quickly. And I was like, no, you won't. You haven't figured it out in five years. So he unpaused his video game and continued to play, and I continued to just worry about our finances. But we never diverted from the call. We never took the plan B, even though uh, things got stressful and things got, um, you know, thin with our finances. We never took the bait of doing something that we weren't called to do. And so I encourage every one of you, whatever God told you to do, be one-sided about it like John. Be like borderline stubborn about it, that you refuse to do anything else because in 17 years of ministry, that's one thing that'll snuff you out of the ministry. How many people, how many Bible school students that do you know? I, I know I, almost uh, my entire class that I went to Bible school with is not in the ministry. Why? Because the finances got sticky and they didn't know what else to do. So they ended up getting a job at Starbucks or Amazon or at, you fill in the blank. And then they're just completely uh, uh, snuffed out of the ministry. Don't let that be you. Be one-sided when it comes to the things of the ministry. And what does that take? It takes everything. 
And I wish more people would understand that because they, they, they look at us now, but they don't look at us back in 2007 when we had a borrowed laptop. Then I'm designing everything from this borrowed laptop. They don't look at the, 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 the vehicle that was not inspected for seven years, that we were praying in tongues whenever we'd pass by a cop so that he wouldn't pull us over. They don't see that. They don't see the long hauls, 17 hour drives where we're both getting out of the car like this. They don't see that. So what does it take? It takes every ounce of you. And then you have to be one dimensional or one sided about where it is that you're going and look at that and, 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 and get fixated on that. And don't turn your head to the left or to the right. Just go after it. And I'll tell you, where we're at right now, and, and this might seem like, you know, crazy, but it has been the easiest thing that we could possibly do. It's true, because at the time, God gives you a grace for what you're going through. It's like, it, I was having fun. Like, even the first years of ministry she's talking about, where now we didn't have any money for food. We'd buy a sack of frozen mozzarella sticks from Costco and deep fry them. I love mozzarella sticks. <laughs> I was having a good time eating them, playing video games. We would play video games with each other. She says I played. She used to, I used to go to bed at three and she'd stay up and play till five. We had no meetings, no life. And we were having fun. And then it's like, at the time, you're just having fun. And then five years later, you're like, we were poor. We were like super poor, but it, you don't feel it at the time. You, you, that's what the joy of the Lord does. I think that's why Paul was writing in prison. Without mentioning that he's in prison half the time. John's not mentioning he's being boiled in oil because God gives you a grace for that thing you're doing at the time where you don't, you don't feel it. You look back and go, how the heck did we do that? Yeah. But then at the time, it's like the easiest thing in the world. Amen. Amen. So uh, you got to be, be one-sided about that. Can you say amen? And another thing, I want you to turn with me to uh, Romans six fifteen. And you can pull it up in any translation, guys. Things that I have learned in 17 years of ministry, okay? What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are... You got to give me another translation except that. I'm not even processing that. Give me something... Come on, guys. You did that on purpose. You did that on purpose. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Keep right. going. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Okay. You have become slaves to righteous living. I wish you would understand that in giving everything of yourself to God, you become a slave. That sounds ugly, doesn't it? But it's true, nonetheless. Because if you want what we have, these are the steps you have to take. You no longer have a say in what you want to do or not do. That's what slaves are. And it's interesting, the, the, the verbiage that he, he puts there. You know, you, we're not a slaves to, uh, to sin, but we are still slaves. We're slaves of righteousness. We're slaves of righteous living. 
And so we become slaves to the Lord. We are our servants of the most high God. Just like Daddy Dag was saying, or somebody was saying, there's no greater calling than ministry. There's no holier calling. In fact, there was a king that said, I, the priest, was king. So he put that in order purposefully because he knew I'm first a priest and then comes everything secondary, which is being a king, the ruler of the land. So this is a high and holy calling. And for the life of me, North America has gotten that so confused. Why are you in ministry? Is it because you want people to honor you and treat you like a celebrity to have a selfie with you after service? What is the motive behind ministry? Because if the motive behind ministry isn't first being the greatest servant, you've got it all jacked up. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. So I don't care what Adalas feels. And that we, we'd have to tell, we'd have to, there are times and seasons where we'd have to coach ourselves through that. Who cares what you feel like, Jonathan? Get up and go. Because we're slaves to Christ. And if he tells you to do something, I'm not contemplating whether or not I feel like doing it. I question how serious people are about ministry. That when God speaks to you and tells you to do something, you sit on it and you wait. What are you waiting for? And that's the secret sauce. As I've seen this man and, 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 and his progression in the ministry, it's always been that you've so quickly obeyed. Almost too fast. Calls me up. I forget when. When was it? August? End He's of going. July. Oh, great. End of July. And he said, um, hey, I just want to let you know I'm announcing that we're opening a Dallas-Fort Worth campus. Love you. Click. Great. Thanks for letting me know. Because he, on that airplane ride, that's when he received the direction to do it. And on that airplane ride, he was already making moves. Because we are not our own. We've been bought with the price. We belong to Christ. We are now slaves of Christ. And that, that when, when Daddy Dag was talking about having, uh, uh, putting yourself as, uh, uh, you know, as a living sacrifice on the altar of God, that's what I'm talking about. But too many people, we, we don't, we don't sacrifice anything in our life. We want it the easy way. There's Bible school students here that are completely delusional. Not here, but in the, in the out world, out there. Not here. You guys are safe. But they're completely delusional. They think that after they receive this, this uh, a Bible uh, diploma or whatever, certificate of completion, that all of a sudden all kinds of doors are going to swing open just because you've got the, the attire and you've got the <laughs> way of talking. And I'll tell you, being a servant is work. And I know uh, we don't like to talk about work. I was looking at things on Instagram about people who were completely just, uh, you know, they were, they were deteriorating because this girl worked a nine to five. And that was it. She's like, I can't believe people do this. I have no social life. 
I have to get up early and then I have to go commute. It takes me 40 minutes to get to work. And then by the time I get home, I don't want to be social. I want to go to bed. And she was literally serious. She was serious. She was serious about work. And so if you want to give your everything, everything is required, uh, you know, then, then you, you got to work. Slaves work. And that's another aspect. That's another element of ministry that a lot of people think that they're just going to go in there and tell people what to do. That's not ministry. And so when Daddy Dag looked at my husband and said, he's been like a seed that's been planted in the ground, you have no idea. You have no idea. 17 years to, to get to this place. But all you see is him taking a selfie with his jet. And we didn't even have social media back in 2006, 2007, thank God. But if we could display everything that we ever did, you'd, you'd probably rethink ministry. You'd be like, I don't know if I got what it takes. But really, you do. Because I'll tell you, uh, at times, I look at us and, and our team, and it's just a motley crew. I'm like, what in the world? Look at our staff. It's just a crazy, a crazy concoction of crazy people who love the Lord. How did we all get here? And when we look at all the things that have happened and the doors that have flown open for us, we aren't too stupid to do this on our own. I want you to be encouraged with that. This is the, the work of the Lord Amen. on display. That's right. This, we, no, no person on staff can take the credit for what's happened here. We are not that smart. Amen. He's very gifted. He's, a, he's my favorite preacher. But he's not that talented. For all this to be happening in 18, 20 months or whatever, however time it's been. No, that's a fact. This is the hand of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so what we have to do is understand our part to play, which is giving everything. Yes. Not just a little or the extra. It's like everything. Every ounce of your being. That's what it takes. Are you willing to do that? Number two, do you have anything else to add to that? No. Everything? Not on that. Number two, understand that the Holy Ghost does the heavy lifting. Ladies, this one's for you. You worry too much. And sadly, after Daddy Dag was talking about the reasons why people leave ministry, we were on that list. Women, wives. And he was probably being really nice because he probably could have gone off a lot. So I'll do that for him today. Because I'll tell you, Jonathan and I, we are very observant. And we've had a lot of time to just kind of marinate with the things that we see. Because we used to drive everywhere. Everywhere. Okay? I can whip that car. You don't even know what I can do. Okay? 17 years. I'm going 98 miles an hour. Don't do that. 
But I remember always like just ju after meetings, we dissect relationships, we, we dissect the marriages that we see, we, we dissect the things that, that, that bothered us about the ministry. Why was that off? That was weird. Why was that, that, that youth pastor staring at me like that? Why was this? Why was that? You know, we have lots of time to, to think and, and really just dissect what's happening. And one of the things that I've seen way too often is that the woman is completely disengaged. Or she's just bitter. Or she's just so super disgustingly insecure. And it affects the ministry. It really does. And a lot of times what happens is that you, as a woman, you start seeing things that most people don't see. In our home, we see a lot of things that happen behind the scenes. Lots of you guys come in, you check in, you, you, you sit down for a Sunday service, you worship the Lord, you get a great message, and then you, you dip out. But we see the ugly behind the scenes. And if you would allow the ugly to permeate into your heart, it's going to do a lot of damage. And you're going to try to start, uh, try to, try to do the heavy lifting, uh, yourself. And that's just a very bad idea. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. If you understand that the Holy Ghost does the heavy lifting, all you have to do is pray. Amen. Isn't that amazing? What if I told you that I would be able to put you in communication with an individual that will help you and lead you and guide you into all truth about the things concerning your life and in the future. Do you want his number? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. In fact, turn with me so you can see it yourself. John 16, 13. Talking about the Holy Ghost here. What is the point of getting infuriated at your congregants? What is the point of getting and meddling in between all of the things that, that are happening with, with uh, 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 the, the, the sheep of your church or is certain individuals? What is, what is the point in doing that? I had, I had a, 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 an individual come up to me and, and uh, she said, you know, what do you do when you know like uh, certain people in your church, they're not like fully living for the Lord. They're not doing what's right. You know, and they committed to you and they committed to living a holy lifestyle. And now you know that like, you know, they're not living holy anymore. So like, how do you approach that? And I'm like, I don't. That's not my business. And there's a lot of, and, and those of you that are, might be tuning in that maybe you have no desire to be in ministry and you're thinking, how can I change my child's life? How can I change their mind about Christ? How can I do this about my marriage? The heavy lifting is, is, is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost does the heavy lifting for you. And a lot of times we want to we wanna play the role of the Holy Ghost and do things on our own accord and we will suffer the consequences for doing that. Because the Bible says it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by God's Spirit. And so that is another element of ministry that we have to understand 
is available to us. We, we have to tap into that. Can you say amen? John 16, 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own accord, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Can you say amen? amen. That's like an unfair advantage that we can tap into and you don't. You just would rather take up worry and anxiety and mess everything up. That's it. I don't know. Oh, you really, you want to start a DFW church, Jonathan? Do we have the finances for that? Have I ever said anything as dumb as that? No. Have I ever stopped you from doing something that the Lord had put on your heart to do? I don't care about money and I care about money more than you. You've never brought up what we can afford or whatever. Anything, anything you do, you're, you're straight ahead. In your faces. Just kidding. So the Holy Spirit helps you and we don't take advantage of that. Instead, we try, we want to try to, you know, meddle in everybody's affairs. That's not your job to try to convince somebody to see things your way or to do it your way. You know, Pastor Jonathan was talking about how if he just preached his heart out about the importance of avoiding alcohol and saw you out in the parking lot popping up, open a, a beer can, he would say, hey, have a great night. Thanks for coming. Because that's not his job. His job is to preach the word. The Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. You don't have to try to force it. Or, or, or manipulate the situation. That is going to wear you out. So let him do the heavy lifting. And that's the difference between a big church pastor and a small church pastor. Is a small church pastor is trying to get every parent to homeschool their kids. Every parent to get their kids to quit trick-or-treating. You're just, you're going to have an aneurysm. It's enough to keep your family living right. Yeah. And I'm not knocking... We don't trick or treat. I'm not knock, I'm not saying those other things are, I'm saying, you know, if you're, hey man, did you hear that Bill's smoking again? Okay. What are you going to do? If you confront everybody about stuff, the only, they're not going to change their behavior. They're just going to change how they are when they're in front of you. Nobody lives a different way because somebody disapproves of it. There has to be a change that comes from the gospel in their heart. And I, let me, let me add to this. Yes. Not only to confront them privately or with Facebook posts, but to start working stuff into your message. Joel Osteen isn't making comments on Sunday morning. There are certain families in here that on Sunday morning, you're at cheering practice. And no, there's none of that. There's not, there's a sea of people. You can't meddle in it, the Johnson family's life. And do you hear that they're going to miss youth camp because their son has little league? I'm going to deal with that today. There's not a, that, that'll make sure you have 80 to 180 tops. You'll be a little church meddling pastor trying to get in everybody's affairs. The sower sows the word. Preach the word. Let the word have its effect on people and have a confidence that the word will have an effect on people. You'll watch somebody that you've been frustrated with, one service, they're going to get hit and you're going to find out secondhand. I mean, one of the ushers that's here. He, I just saw, he, nobody told me. I didn't know he drank. I don't, I'm not looking into it. I make a point to try to not follow anybody that goes to our church on Instagram just so I don't, I can be oblivious and just smile and shake hands. And then I, I get a Facebook post sent to me 
that, that one, after one service, I don't even think we preached on alcohol. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost and just dumped all his alcohol down the sink. The Holy Ghost did that. Yeah. The, if, the, if somebody gets a word from you, they're just going to get embarrassed. If they get a word from the Lord, it'll change them that day. All right, let's go. My okay. blood pressure's up now. Let's go. No, all right, okay. Number three, opportunity has an expiration date. Amen. That's a great point. Ephesians 5, 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be drunk with wine in which dissipation. Can you give me another translation? Thank you. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go back to uh, verse 15 for me. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Give me 16 again. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. One thing that I've learned in 17 years of ministry is that opportunity has an expiration date. Sure does. This is, a, this is a great point. And according to uh, uh, Ephesians, you have to seize the day. You have to take that opportunity and, and, and make it work. When the, when the door opens up for you, jump in. Can you say amen? When, da when Dag Haywood Mills invited me to come on this crusade and said, I want you to teach the pastors in the morning and I'll do the crusade at night. If I tell him it's um, that week's American Thanksgiving, it's over. I don't know that he'll come back here and preach because you hear somebody that's that serious minded about the gospel and you're, you have Thanksgiving. They don't care. No. Any more than a green beret cares. The, 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 so you have signaled to them that you are not a serious person. You're, you're everything they figured you were as an American preacher. Holidays come first, and then gospel second. Family first, gospel second. A guy that just flew directly from the Philippines to Pittsburgh to preach and still hasn't been home to see his wife doesn't care. So people don't understand that when the Lord opens a door, and it's the Lord opening it, if you don't walk through it then, there, not only is there no guarantee it'll come open again, you likely have shut that door for the last time. And they're going to find another young evangelist, and you miss out. Now, I don't have any plans. I, I literally have no interest in ever leaving my house again. If it's not for the work of the Lord, I don't care about jets. If I never flew again, I'd be the happiest boy in Pittsburgh. I don't care. I have no interest in traveling or going overseas or going anywhere. I have no interest in leaving my home except for the work of the Lord. I, but I'm not like I love traveling. I, I don't. But then with this, who knows? And I don't care. And I'm not putting words in his mouth. Who knows what type of relationship this is going to blossom into? The biggest crusades that are going on on planet Earth right now, and I'd like you to teach the pastors in the morning. That's in. So if it's Thanksgiving, if it's Christmas morning and my mom's birthday and my anniversary, tough luck. Amen. And people blow it. A door opens. How about Pastor Rodney? I'd like you to come to Tampa the next time you can. He feels quickened then. 
If I come in six months, hey, there's a young evangelist. He's a uh, Ted, you know, Ted Charles were senior. It's his nephew. He said that you, oh yeah, I remember that. Okay. Well, I, I have to meet up with someone. I'm golfing with somebody, but go ahead, send them in. It's gone. They're quickened then. They're not going to be quickened necessarily in six months or a year. It's like why I told them, if you were here today, when I told Pastor Everton, I'm going to give you $20,000 for your church in, in British Columbia. You know why I said it out loud? Because in nine minutes, I won't feel like giving him anything. I feel like stealing $20,000 from him. So when you're, when, when the, the, the old saying is the opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of an opportunity. When it opens, it is an insult to, to people like that. If you even say, um, let me just call my wife. And when it opens and you know it's the Lord. Now, is that unscriptural or is that absolutely scriptural? Leave your nets and come follow me in the middle of a work day as owner of the fishing company. I have employees and insurance. I don't care. Rich young ruler, sell everything you have and come follow me. I can't. And he watched him go. All right, no problem. I'm on to the next. Who can drop everything and go? And some people are so regimented that the Lord can't really use them. There's some people who invite them to go to the movies. They need three weeks notice. Hey, you want to go see a movie tonight? I mean, I'm free, but it's just so sudden. True. Anybody know anybody like that besides me? They, they are too rigid to move. Part of if you're going to be successful in the ministry, there has to be a fluidity to you. Not gender fluidity, but other fluidity. Amen. You don't want to be Jonathan at Shuttlesworth. You got you to be able to move. You got to drop everything. But how we get, you know, think of it. When Bishop Dag said to go, you want to come to that country with me? Yeah, I'm in. I didn't know visa requirements. I didn't know cost, anything. I'm in. I'll figure that part out later. Well, McGallis and Patrick will figure that part out later. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, that country does not require a visa for Americans. They dropped it in September. Everything worked out perfectly, and away we go. And so you can tell on the flip side, if you are willing to just flow, you could, I could tell with his little slight smile and nod. It's like, this is my kind of guy. Would you like to go on that? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, do, you, do you need anything from us? Not a thing. I will, I'll see you. I'm not even going to say goodbye to you. I'll see you on the ground in that country in, in two weeks, and we're going to have a good time together. I got everything taken care of, and I'll pay for the crusade. Now, now you stand out. That's how you make yourself stand out in the ministry. You do things that other people won't do in a way that other people won't do them. You're not a need case. You're a plus. I'm not going there. Um, where am I staying? Do they have a place I can put my suitcase? Do they have an iron? Do I need to bring a... Um, just real quick, do you, is there like a converter I need to bring for my electron? Do they, they don't stay home. Just show up. No one knows how you got there, like Batman. Why do you, why do you think Jesse Duplantis likes me? One time he was coming to preach in New Mexico, and I just decided to go meet up with him. So I flew a plane to New Mexico. He'd seen me like two other times. We barely knew each other. Someone left at the airport. They found out I was coming. They left me actual homemade tortilla chips. You know, it's New Mexico. And homemade salsa. So I pulled my, I said, uh, when I got off the plane, I said to the guy at the airport, you have a Falcon 900 that's going to be landing here soon. Do you know where it's landing? He said, no, I don't think we do it. And then I heard something in his earpiece. And he went, oh yeah, there's one coming right now. He said, we're going to park it right there. So I pulled the BMW rental car over to there, got my chips and salsa out. And when he gets off his plane, it's an empty tarmac in New Mexico. And I'm standing there in a suit and tie eating chips and salsa. And he goes, Jonathan Shuttlesworth? I'm like, yeah. I said, you want to ride? 
I thought you're in Pittsburgh. I'm usually am, but today I'm in New Mexico to come hear my buddy preach. Then we get him. When you do, when you're loose and fluid, I flew a long way to be here and we chartered a plane. We're believing God for the money. No. You're just like human marijuana to be around. You relax, everybody. When you walk in, the atmosphere gets peaceful. This is a terrible church analogy, but I already said it, so let's just go with it. Because I am human marijuana. When I come around, people get happy. The only thing is you don't get lung cancer and you don't get a desire to listen to Bob Marley. Amen. And if you'll be like that in the ministry, yeah, let's go. Let's go around the world. Think about this. Anybody ever hear Lester Summerall? Howard Carter tells him to meet him. I'd like to travel the world with you. He agrees. Then when he leaves, realize, I don't know how to get in touch with him. It's 1930. Can't text, can't call, nothing. So the Lord speaks to him, start at the bottom of the earth and work your way up. What kind of instruction is that? And he said when he heard bottom of the earth, he knew it was Australia. So he goes. <laughs> this is insane. To me, this is insane. And I'm half, look at me how I'm dressed. I'm half insane. This is like something you wear to court to plead insanity. Your Honor, my client is not in his right mind. Hi, Judge. <laughs> I love you. Start at the bottom and work your way down. So he tells the pastor in California. He goes, where are you going? He goes, I'm sailing to Australia. Sailing. And he, he convinces a cargo ship owner to take him on board. It's not even a passenger ship. The Lord spoke to me that Howard Carter's in Australia. Even if he is, that's a big, that's a continent. Who are you going to get to Australia? I'm here. Howard. It's a massive continent. Start at the bottom and work your way down. Gets on the ship, goes down, no support. The pastor told him, you're going to starve to death overseas. You need to have mission support. He said, no, I'm, I'm going anyway. So he gets there. Then he gets off the ship after three months. Now he's at a continent because the Lord told him, if, if the Lord told you I was in Cleveland and you went to Cleveland, you still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> There's people the police have been trying to find in a city for like years and they're in the same city let alone a continent, he gets off the plane and there's a man standing there in a suit. Are you Lester Sumrall? I am. He said, Howard Carter told me that you'd be coming today. The Lord spoke to Howard Carter. He was going to arrive in what port? He said he's in New Zealand preaching, but he left instructions for the pastor here in Australia to hold a revival at this church. And they, he just followed in his footsteps till eventually they met up and they traveled the world together for eight or nine years and stayed in a relationship that whole time. Because if God can find somebody that can drop everything and go, when the door opens, listen now, the reason we're preaching this right is there's people they pray for God to do something and he does it and they still won't go wow oh that's do my you mom? remember do you remember that one guy that you asked to come on the road with yes with us? and he said no because I don't think my mom's gonna approve of me going over the oh I'm sorry line. I didn't realize you were seven I thought you were in your early 20s he that's what that. I said to him he did say that I don't think my mom will let me drive that far you're a man what are you wearing, Oshkosh Bagosh corduroys? I don't think my mom will allow me. Sorry, I didn't realize you had Benjamin Button disease. I thought you were a man. 
<laughs> My mom's not comfortable with me traveling that far. <laughs> Goodbye. God bless you. Adios. Now, if you think this is just me or us talking, read the Bible. Read how Paul felt about John Mark. I need to go home. All right, beat it. <laughs> Don't come back. And that's how those kind of preachers are. If you're in it, you know, even this week with Dag Haywood Mills that I'm going to go join him on, I'm not leaving early. I'd like to leave early to get back, but I don't like those kind of people. Like if you're going to go, a crusade's a war. Yeah. And you don't, want, you don't leave Thursday when it runs through Friday. If you're in it, then you're in it till the finish. That's good. And so I'm in. And we'll see what develops out of it. If nothing develops out of it, nope, NBD. But if something does develop out of it, I'm not missing it because it's freaking Thanksgiving. I hate turkey anyway. That's right. What do I do? Watch the Cowboys lose again on things they lose. And the Lions, Lions shouldn't even be in the NFL. Now turn two cities against me. Great. It's Thanksgiving. What? what? And what? Is that a holy day in Israel? (laughs) Did God ordain Thanksgiving? Yes, he did. It's because he did in the Bible. But not that day is the point. So you go. I pray you get that impartation because if not, it'll hinder your ministry. I can't go. You know, and I'm preaching to the right people because I'm not preaching to people that said, I wish I could be in Pittsburgh. I'm preaching to people that dropped everything and got here from Nevada and British Columbia and California on short notice. And I'm telling you, stay on that track. I'll go where the cloud moves. I'll go where the pillar of fire moves. I'll drop everything anytime to do what God tells me to do. My son in the Lord, Brother Kofi. That's a game. The Lord spoke to me to travel with you. All right, meet me here. Okay, I'll be there. He's there. As an, as an immigrant. Um, where is Scranton? I'm from Ghana. No, he found it. He learned how to use a search engine. Look, people ask you questions online. Where is Pittsburgh? You're on the internet. <laughs> Type that same question in a search bar and hit enter. Wow, this thing knows everything. Church is it? You have a graphic. Church, 10 a.m. First comment on Instagram. What time? I'm going to take this microphone. I'm going to cave your skull in. But then the fruit of the Spirit restrain you, and you just write, yeah, I'm 10 a.m. Everybody say move. Move. Say fluid. Fluid. You know what people, what's your daily routine like? I've never, I can't have one. What's my daily routine like? Oh yeah, I'm going to go to, what what is the name of that country I'm going to? Or the city? Kabita. So what am my routine? Brother Dag, I like to start my day with Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Do you know, is there, where the closest Dunkin' Donuts is in Kabita? I like to have a swim in the pool. Then I like ice cream. Where's the best Froyo place in Kabita? There's no routine. Eat when there's food, sleep when you're tired, and there's something flat to lay on. That's the routine. Can you say amen? Oh, uh, it was me and Kofi. It's like the first trip. Look at that. Neither of us knew you could buy pants in different lengths. There's little Camila. There's me still rocking a faux hawk. 
like I'm the lead singer for Creed. <laughs> what are you abandoning me? You made me come up with you. Get up here. Oh no. Up, let's go. This is bumping mics, not trick the husband into finishing the sermon. Somebody say, when the door opens, move. Because the door will close. And people take it as a slap in the face if you, if you tell them, all right, then you're not the guy. I mean, what was the whole scripture yesterday? There's a great banquet. One said, I just got married. One said, and they're all legitimate excuses. I bought some land. I got married. Okay, then you're not coming. I'm going to go invite other people. Because I actually have, think about it. If I tell them, hey, listen, all those three weeks are not good. One's Thanksgiving and the other two I'm preaching. So other places, so can we do it again? I don't know that we'll do it again. Because it's the same as Jesus calling Luke and him, go, or uh, uh, sorry, Peter. And say, yeah, listen, I would come, but this is, I own a fishing company, so I would need time to divest my assets. He left everything and followed him. That's why they complained to him in Mark chapter 10. Hey, when the rich young ruler wanted to sell everything, by the way, we have, we have left everything and followed you, just so you know. And that's when Jesus said, yes, and everyone who does that will receive now and in this life. A hundredfold. Why do you think I get these amazing vacations all the time that I don't pay anything for? I'm giving my Thanksgiving to the Lord. He'll give me back 20 Thanksgivings for the one that I gave him. I'm telling you. You should see what they give Adalis or, or Camila at the resort we go to. The last time we left the one resort, I stayed in the presidential suite for $323 total for two weeks. Just fees. They gave me birthday stuff for my birthday. They found out it was my birthday at the hotel. They gave Camila a free movie and movie popcorn and, and, and movie snacks every day because the manager liked her. When we went to leave, five employees hug, lined up to hug Camila goodbye. And then when I preached in Phoenix, two of, the air, two of the employees looked up that I was preaching and asked if they could come and went and came to the meeting and, and partnered with the ministry. And that, you know, who, that, that, that room we stayed in, is $4,600 a night. It's almost 3,000 square feet. It has a fireplace, even though it's in Phoenix, so it's not necessary because it, the place is basically on fire all the time. It's like 190 degrees. Whatever you give up for God comes back. I'm not giving away a Thanksgiving. I'm sowing it to the work of the Lord. God will give me a month of Thanksgivings with my family in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? You said that you, there might not be um, like a blessing or a promotion at the en other end of what you're doing, but there's no way that that's accurate. Did I say that? Yes, you did. When did I say that? Like uh, moments ago, you said, I don't know if anything's going to come about this. Oh, or I'm saying, I'm, I'm talking about Bishop Dag's thing, and I'm not saying I'm going there because we're going to be like okay, Batman good. and Robin for the next 40 years. <laughs> you might It might be. be the only one. Yeah, but it might be the only one. I'm, that's why I was saying it. I'm, I don't want him to think I'm going because like, not only am I coming with you to Kabita, I'll never leave you. Because <laughs> then at that point, it gets creepy. It's like, okay, well, just stay in Pittsburgh, all right? Okay, I want you to come to bit. one meeting, easy. That's so what I was saying. when we're talking about um, the opportunities, you also have to understand that those opportunities are given to you for promotion. That's right. And so we cannot let those opportunities just go. Like, this is our ch chance to level up and move forward. I wish that more people would understand that everything we do is seed. Everything. I, I can't begin to tell you how frustrating it's been to be the children's pastor here. And I mean that in, like, a positive way. So just hold on. Well, let me finish. Let me finish. 
because I, we are moving all the time and we're growing leaps and bounds and it's really tough to have to like keep up with the movement. And, you know, for example, we moved into 107 and we thought we can be here for the next 10 years. Yes. Turns out. Four months. Not even. So it took us two months to get the second floor ready for our children's program. And we poured of ourselves day and night, night and day. We did all kinds of stuff to the room. We, we, we tore down walls. We put up, uh, decals. We painted it. We, we developed the system for it for a whopping two months. We poured in so much money and effort to be there for two stinking months. And so as I was thinking about this and getting frustrated, I thought, wait a minute. Everything we do is, is a test. It's a seed. And so this, what we're doing here, whatever you do, whatever is given to you, whatever opportunity you have in your hands, that's a test. It's a test. That's a seed. So you could either complain about it and just give up, throw your hands up in the air and say, forget it. This is too difficult. I don't know what else to do. Look, we've already spent $20,000, you know, uh, doing the second floor. What else do we have to do? Now we're out. We, we got to find a, a place here. We were doing it all the way in the back grass, the, the corner uh, of the field there, because this place wasn't even built at the time. So what, what do we do? What, you don't get frustrated. You seize the opportunity and you understand that this is a test that God has placed in my position. And if I pass the test, he's going to give me more. Let, let me give you one before we move off this point. This, this will show you what I'm talking and how high level people watch this stuff. So the man who donated the first building to us at 107, he told, they, they relayed this to me. He said, go ahead. I'm waving the 550,000. You can start working on it in the morning to get it ready to be a church. When they told me he said that, I knew in my spirit that's a test. Because most people, if they were given a building for a church, it'd still be sitting there after 14 months. You know, we're believing God for the money to renovate because it's still 1.2 million to renovate it, right? Roughly. So now we need the money. Move! The money follows movement. You don't get the money, then move. You move and the money comes to you. So I told, did I tell you or who did I tell? I told you. I said, that's a test. That guy's a billionaire. Now it's like, okay, you said you want to start a church. I'm calling your bluff. Here's a building. Let's see what you do. That's right. I said, you make sure that our construction crew's there at eight in the morning starting work. I don't care how much money we have or whatever. Let's go. Because he's watching. Not God, this guy. And so they moved. And when he gave us the three checks and the deed to the property, you know what he said? When I saw how fast you moved, on that property that you were there the next morning. I knew you were serious about your church. See, your slowness communicates unseriousness and your speed communicates seriousness. I don't have to tell Bishop Dag I value his evangelistic ministry. The fact that I'll drop everything and go tells you everything I need to know. And if I don't go, I, I just believe the Lord really has a grace on you. I'm honored to bullcrap. Yeah. They don't believe you. Actions prove your heart. Anybody can talk, but actions, it's like you. You know one of the things Pastor Rodney told me? He said, start holding ministerial meetings. He told me this last year. I was slow to move on that because I, I thought like 35 or 40 people would come. He said, whatever pastors come, preach for them if they invite you, and whichever ones don't come, don't preach for them. Because if they won't come, 
whatever they say, they actually don't value your ministry. And if they come, that's all you need to know. I don't need, Everton Weeks doesn't have to tell me anything about how much he, how he feels about my ministry. He lives in British Columbia. He came here. When I was in Montreal, he came there and was there half the week. That's all I need to know. Actions prove it. Anybody's here, you know, I don't have to wonder how evangelist Chris Franz feels about me. The humility for somebody that's older than me and been doing it longer to sit in every meeting and take, and you're not sitting there like this, you know, forward on, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. And that's why I like you. Despite the fact that I have a mean face, I really like you. Because it shows. What about all the people from First Love Church? Your guy's gone. You could have split. You stayed. I love you. You love me. That's all I need to know. You didn't stay here for two services, eight hours a day, just trying to fake something. You're in it with us. We're in covenant together, and you've proven by your actions. Keep doing that your whole life in Jesus' name. Let me say one more thing, and then we'll move off that point. Let's, let's give another one. If you... By the grace of God, somehow in the last three years, I've gotten around about six or seven billionaires, or at least high hundred millions. They move. They don't goof around. And so they do not take you seriously if you're, you know, well, we're just, you know, that we found out it's going to be, you're talking to a billionaire telling them you found out it's going to be $40,000 to renovate. And so they think, okay, I don't want to hear anything about, you're not a high level person. You're, you're weak. Get the 40,000. Amen? Never heard babies cry in harmony before. It's like the destiny's child of babies crying. Sounded like a remix of babies crying. Everybody say, when the door opens, move. Or the door will shut. Next point. Go for it. Don't be an island unto yourself. Very important. You need others. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Sorry, I couldn't read my own writing. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The thing that you did this week matters. You get around. How many of you, when Bishop Dag was preaching the last three days, heard things you never heard before in a way you never heard before? How many of you had your own thinking on certain topics challenged? That's what happens when you hear other people preach. You can't bed down having your same favorite two preachers. You also don't go just listen to anybody. But I can tell preachers that don't have any friends and don't talk to anybody because they say things that intellectually could be easily challenged and debunked. It's like, for example, a guy says, every preacher should stop preaching after the age of 50 and turn the preaching ministry over to younger people and then them just coach preachers. So then when the guy says it, you say, so in your opinion, Billy Graham lived the last 45 years of his life out of the will of God? Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, because you don't talk to anybody. You just listen to yourself and say what you think. But as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens another. I've talked to my cousin Teddy on the phone. I go, no, I wouldn't phrase that like that because there's this scripture. That's true. That's a good point. And you hear things from other people and it sharpens you. Like you've been hearing things this week. Pastors that stay small and evangelists that stay small, they're just on their own thing. I'm the only one that's preaching. I'm the only one standing for righteousness in this whole town. You heard Bishop, Dave, um, Bishop Dag say about being short-sighted and blind. People get into this, uh, you know, like the whole world is Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. No one in this section of Pittsburgh. Yeah, this is one little place. It's one of the things that gets funny when you travel. 
is it, it, it strips materialism from you when you travel because you meet people in Kentucky that the dream is to live on this certain lake. It's like, listen, that's great. No one knows that lake exists. Or like here to live in wherever. I don't want to offend people. I'll, I'll keep doing other places. You know, there's somebody that in, um, in, in Page, Arizona, to have a house right on Lake Powell is, is the, the dream. But then if I took a show of hands of who's never heard of Lake Powell, who in Japan has ever heard of Lake Powell? So your whole life's wrapped up into something that 7.9 billion of the 8 billion people on earth don't even know exists. And you're trying, I want to live here. And, and it doesn't matter. So you're, you're, you're expending your life for something that doesn't matter. Because you've confined yourself that the whole world's here. The whole world's Pittsburgh. The whole world is Vancouver or Tennessee. But then when you get eyes, Bishop Dag, and there's a whole world. Imagine me going, tell me the name of that town I'm going to again. <laughs> say it again. Kabita. Did I say it right? One more. Kabinda. Can you imagine me going to Kabinda? Just so everyone here knows, we live near Sewickley. <laughs> then you just watch them all turn to each other and start mumbling. <laughs> this guy's stupid. So everybody said there's a wide world. world. You know, listen to people. You heard Bishop Oyedepo, sorry, Dag Haywood Mills and Bishop Oyedepo talk about how their ministries changed when they went to Korea to listen to Cho. And brought that seed back to Africa. Brother Hagen, they traveled to Tulsa. Do you know what a big deal it is in the 1980s to go from Nigeria to Tulsa and go listen to somebody communicate? Brother Hagen's hard to understand if you're an American. It's because it's old school Texas colloquial. Can you imagine being from Nigeria and hearing like a cow looking at a new gate? I don't even know what that means. But they came and humbled themselves and listened and brought that seed back. You know, that's, that's actually, I was about ready to just stop traveling internationally because I don't like preaching internationally. I don't, because it usually means you have to have an interpreter. So I lose my humor because even if I'm funny, once it goes through the filter of that unfunny son of a gun, it's gone. So I lose one of my great weapons. I can't make anybody laugh. And I don't know for sure that he's preaching what I'm saying. So I just lost interest in it. And Bishop Dag's son, Joshua, was talking to me. He must have done it by the Spirit because I hadn't told anybody. He was talking about foreign seeds. And I'm glad you came to Ghana. It does us well to hear from Americans. And I was thinking, it does me well to be over here and see the world. Right, yeah. Pastor Ed? The big world. You know, I'm sure Pastor Sandy and Pastor George, my friends that are here, when they go down and do crusades in Mexico, in real Mexico, it does some, it, it just broadens you and you hear from people and it puts things in a different perspective and it makes your mind sharp. Now, I might be sounding super ignorant and maybe what I'm about to say can be easily debunked, but Lester Sumrall said it and I believe it. I don't think you can have like dementia and lose your mind. If you're around other people talking to other people that are also intelligent, I think you, you get your mind starts to go when you're in your living room all day watching the prices right and stuff. I, I, I think it takes that. I don't think you can get around and active and talking. And I believe your brain is like a muscle. It's not a muscle. But as you use it and have to think and somebody's challenging you, what you say, why do you think some of you like my preaching so much? Because I can explain what I believe because I went to public atheistic agnostic school 
I can explain the baptism of the Holy Ghost to an atheist, not just a, a Pentecostal. Well, when you feel it, you know it's right. No, that didn't work in high school. I, I had to explain, do you speak in tongues? What is that? I had to explain it to somebody who doesn't even believe in God. It sharpened my mind. I had to learn what I believe. I had to learn why God created the earth. I couldn't, as my argument, have God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I, that's true. But that's not going to fly in science class. I had to defend it from the law of thermodynamics and the, the different uh, laws of science. It sharpened my mind. When you get talking with people, me and Pastor Rodney talk often. It sharpens my mind. Me and Jesse Duplantis talk fairly often. It sharpens my mind. It sharpens my mind talking to preachers. Have you ever thought of this? No, I never have thought of that. Well, then how would you reconcile that scripture with this scripture? Hmm, never thought of that. Let me think. And it forces you to think rather than just have things that you spit out everywhere you go unchallenged that are easily debunked. Stay around. It, it's a humility and a meekness thing to do what you're doing right now. Most preachers will never attend any meeting that they're not preaching. They won't. If, I'm not, if they're not taking an offering for me, I'm not going. If I'm not speaking, I'm not going. I'm not going to pay money to go travel somewhere just to hear someone else preach. And so you, down you go. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not timidity. Meekness is teachability. Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Though he saw God face to face, when his father-in-law Jethro said, Hey, Moses. How you're running things isn't working. You need to put people in charge. You can't handle everybody's affairs. What did Moses say? How dare you speak to me? I've seen God face to face. And he said, you know what? That's a good idea. Let me write it down. I'm going to do what you said. He, he could listen. He could hear other people and not, yeah, I, I don't believe that. I don't agree with him. And that's what you've been doing this week. That'll do something in your ministry, and that's her point. Don't become an island to yourself. You'll die. How many pastors take one church and down they go in that town? Their life becomes constricted. They've never been, they haven't been to a minister's conference in 17, 25 years. Any speaker you bring up that's an, I mean, think about it. Dad Haywood Mills was here. Where, yeah, I'm not complaining. I was expecting 40 pastors. We had eight, 799 people. But I'm not talking about Catholics or Baptists. There's full gospel, spirit-filled pastors by the thousands all around here that couldn't humble themselves and come listen to him. Yeah. And because they didn't like me or whatever. That's a stupid reason to not hear him. Mm. I'm believing God's going to help me. He sent help and you stayed home. Wow. Can you say amen? amen? But not you. You're in the company of winners. And up you go after tonight. You're going to be a high flyer from this day forward in Jesus' name. And our last point is stay anointed. Isaiah 45, 1. It says, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. Can you say amen? Amen. I'll tell you what, this right here is the, the, the major point of the night. Stay anointed. Amen. I've heard a lot of gifted preaching, a lot of gifted uh, musicians, and there is nothing like somebody who's anointed. They might have a fraction of the talent. 
They might have the fraction of the ability, but if they're anointed, it makes the world of, of, of a difference. That's right. Pastor Rodney says how to become anointed. What is it to be anointed? It's simply this. How much time you spent with the Lord? How much time do you spend with the Lord? And I'll tell you, and everybody in here has, has, has uh, felt it. You've heard it. If somebody comes up that has never prayed a day in their life, you know it. Father God and Father God, I just pray in Father God and Father God and Father. Hallelujah, Father God. Amen. But if somebody really has spent time seeking the presence of the Lord, all they have to do is hallelujah. That's true. And the whole room seems like it's going to shake. Amen. And so I have to emphasize this tonight. You have to stay anointed. This is the reason for the success of the ministry. I was just listening to all the questions this morning you guys were asking about how does this work for you? And why, why do people recognize you so much, Pastor Jonathan? And, and the whole reason, and he said like a whole bunch of things, but really the main reason why there's something different about my husband is because he's anointed. And if you do a study about anointing in the Bible, you see that there's a consecration. There's like a preservation. There's a, there's a reserving of an individual that God hand selects. And what makes the difference is how, how passionate you are to spend time in his presence. So you can fill in every one of these uh, things that you could do, uh, pray, fast, and do it. But if you're not spending time with the Lord, if you're not hungry for his presence, you could do all of the formulas and it still won't work. You can give a million dollars. You can give five million dollars and it still won't work out for you because the secret is to stay anointed. Can you say amen? amen? So I did a while ago, I was doing um, the, the kind of research of, of what the anointing is and, and why, is it, why is it so symbolic, right? Like, why does it matter? And so I, I looked at anointing and I, I looked at the etymology of it and it really, where it began was a, a shepherd. A shepherd created this, this uh, word. And uh, it, it means to smear to pour on or to saturate. And the whole reason this came about, the anointing, is that the shepherd, in order to avoid, uh, you know, disease, uh, bug infestation on, on the sheep, because at times there's these things called, uh, I forget what they're called, like some kind of fly, and it burrows the eggs inside a sheep's nose. And it drives the sheep completely mad. It starts pounding its face in like trees and, and it literally does major, major damage to the sheep. And uh, even in the, the back of the ears, uh, which was a common thing that they would put the uh, oil on, the it, bugs would uh, burrow themselves, their ticks and all that kind of stuff. And it would cause major disease and eventually death. And so they started anointing the animals so that these enemies of the, the, the sheep would just fall off of them. And so as I was just looking at that and thinking about that word anointing and why God uh, uses people that are anointed, it's, 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 it's oppressing. How do you even get the anointing oil? It's oppressing. 
You, you press, you quite literally are pressing the olive and squeezing the life out of it, right? And then from that pressing, there's a substance that comes on, uh, out of it. And then what do you do after, uh, you know, you, you, you have the oil? You smear it on yourself, right? And so that's symbolic because there's, there's a consecration that you have to uh, submit to when you're in ministry. And that consecration can only come by you in your quiet time. Pushing away the plate, yes, that's great. Reading the word, yes, that's great. But being in fellowship with God, that's what makes a difference. Can you say amen? amen. And so we have to stay anointed. I can tell you right now that the, this, is, this is the reason why we've been flying high. Because we haven't done things the right way. We've done things quite literally the opposite of what you're supposed to do. We went to Bible school on, on separate occasions, but we had Bible. This, what he does is completely the opposite of what you should be doing as a minister. His outfit right now is completely the opposite of what a minister should be wearing. Or any human being. Or any human being. What he says on podcast, how the check the news, you know, when we, he launched check the news, uh, there was an F word that flew out. Cause we didn't have time Not to like from me from the, vi- no, from no, 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 I know, I know, yeah, but they don't know. I know. Well, I was getting there. I was getting, we didn't have cooking. time to, uh, we didn't have time to edit the clips. So he would show all kinds of, of clips at the night to kind of debunk like the madness that was going on during COVID. And so we didn't have enough time to edit. And so whoop, whoop, out came the F word. And so as he was, uh, this was happening. Like tongues. Like a lot, yeah. And as he was doing this, I was thinking to myself, okay, and there goes the revival the today ministry. ministry. That's it. Sayonara, everybody. So I'm just praying in tongues at this point. Like, Lord, have mercy. Let the angels of the Lord somehow block the F word continually, uh, because we're about to lose a lot of people. And guess what? It didn't, we didn't lose anybody. It actually increased, which was so oh, bizarre. It increased a ton of people. But that's been like your life. You do the, things. Yes. And you're not supposed to do Correct. them. Yes. And somehow it, you're at the top. It doesn't make any sense. How no. do you speak? You shouldn't say what you say. No. But you're straight. So it could only be the anointing. And that's the thing. And I have contended for that. And what they teach you in ministry, the kind of people you have to attract that will be turned off by the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. It's a lie. There's a guy that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars that started coming to this church a while back. And um, he watched what no eye has seen. He said, I know there was something like this in Pittsburgh. And you know what he told his wife? He said, we'll go there on Sunday. And if I feel the Holy Ghost, that will make that our church. That's it. That was his thing. That service is out at a decent time. I want to feel the anointing. And he said, as soon as I walked in, I felt the anointing. And we, I said, we're home. The man that owns this building called me to pray for one of his family members. You, know, not, you don't want to hear cool stories. Pray for my dad. And I did. People, people have cool communicators. You can get that on YouTube or TED Talks or anything. The thing we have in the ministry, and by we, I don't mean me and Adonis, I mean us in this room, that separates us from TED Talkers and Tony Robbins, nothing wrong with any of those people. But the thing we have that puts us on a different level is the manifest power of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, I'll tell you, I met a, a politician this year, not Donald Trump. It's another one, man that's high level that, that could, you know, in the future could be president of the United States. So I thought I was going to have to introduce myself to him when he came over to shake my hand. He said, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. But man, I really am on a watch list. <laughs> he said, I got a brother. He told me what state his brother lives in. He said, his wife was sick. She went to one of your revival meetings and you prayed for her and she got healed. I've been wanting to meet you. Healed. Well, you're funny. No, no. See, and then when we went to that event, people are intrigued. See, high level people, they've been around top business people. They've been around high level thinkers. They've never been around somebody that's holy and who carries power from God. So then you become very intriguing to them. They've dealt with finance people. They've dealt with politicians. They've never met Somebody like you. Donald Trump got connected with Paula White because he'd watch her on Christian television network at Mar-a-Lago because of the power of God. The president's watching some grainy Christian television local network because he liked the power. People want the power. And they, they have this false thing in America and Canada that, yeah, you know, if you want some little poor church with 40 people, then you can have those kind of meetings. I'm not talking about... You know, there's a lot of things that people think are accoutrements of Pentecost that don't have to be. We have organized services on Sunday morning here at Revival Today. We have, I mean, like military precision, particularly now with two campuses. Worship ends at 1035, whether the worship team's feeling the anointing or not. At 1035, both campuses goes into preaching, has to. This week, it'll be even tighter because we start live TV. I'm not talking about everybody having a tambourine and beating the stew out of it. And, ah, Santo, Santo, Santo. I'm talking about the anointing. Where when you preach, people start feeling tears run down their eyes and they don't know why. It's hitting them here. Play that testimony of that lady that got healed of seven strokes. Um, totally I had unable to move. This this uh, is last in week. March the sixth, and uh, that led to a lot of other things: brain hemorrhaging, um, seven stroke. micro brain bleeds, stage two kidney disease, uh, malignant hypertension. A tumor on my adrenal gland was causing everything. I couldn't uh, I couldn't run. I couldn't walk. I couldn't speak. My speaking was slurred. I kept falling down. I was confused. And um, we followed Jonathan Shuttleworth. And this morning, he had said something about uh, 10 months and it's over. And it's been 10 months for me. I said, that's mine. And he said, healing, healing be all over you. And I said, that's mine. And I stood up. And I was unable to walk when I first came in. And I was running after Jonathan Shuttleworth grabbed my hand and prayed for me and said, it's over. It's over. It's broken off of you. And I felt the miraculous power of God and Jesus inside of me and just like it burst and it felt like it just broke all the chains that were on me and I feel like my adrenal kidney tumor the doctors are going to say what happened it's not there when I go for my MRI they're going to say your brain is not bleeding anymore and I believe that it's healed in Jesus name there's no more it's dried up the blood is dried up like the woman with the issue 12 years. All glory to God. Thank you again for Jonathan Shuttleworth coming into this community and shining the light of God and breaking the power of evil and darkness. Amen. Pastor Abraham and Pastor Augustine, 
How hard did we have to hold her up? I'm telling you, it was like holding if you caught a big marlin out of the ocean, a big fish. There was no stability. and I was very nervous as the pastor. I said, somebody get her a chair real quick. Let's sit her down and pray for her. She's, she's going to fall. If we let her go, she was going to just boom, like full weight fall. She couldn't move. I'm not sitting back down, okay? So then I prayed and I said, Abraham and, and uh, Pastor Abraham and Pastor Augustine continue to pray for her and I want to talk to the next family. And then she, I see her, a blur go by me. And I'm telling you, when I saw it, I didn't say, oh, praise Lord. I went like this. Yeah. <laughs> because I was not like, well, she's going to be, she's healed, amen. I was like, she's going to fall. You know, it's after service. It's, Her faith grabbed it. And I'm telling you, after I took my Sunday nap, I woke up and it was still on me. I could feel that miracle was like on me. I'm telling you, something happens in that realm. I can't remember what the miracle was, but we had like a, a real miracle. It's blind eye, deaf ear, something like that. Totally deaf. I walked to TGI Fridays with Kofi after the meeting. It's like 2014. We were on the evangelistic field. This guy's outside with a cigarette glaring at us, puts a cigarette down. I don't like you. you. I'm telling you, when you walk in that realm, you have like a devil troubling thing about you. Remember, um, who was, were you with me in St. Louis? St. Louis, we had a miracle. It was when that guy, he was blind from diabetes, not born blind, but blind from diabetes. And his eyes came open while I was preaching. I love those kind of miracles. You don't have to do anything. I can see. <laughs> So we go, I go to stop for gas at the, um, the BP by the airport in St. Louis. I walk in and the owner comes out from around the counter. Get out, get out of here now. So, you know, I, I was in a suit and tie. I thought, well, there must be somebody, I'm in St. Louis, must be some bad person. I turn around, I'm the only one in there. Red dot, Hindu gods behind the thing, tons of them. Get out of here right now. And like out of confusion, I back back up. He slams the door and locks it and puts closed. He closed the thing down. Oh, what's the what's the deal? And then I thought, no, that's. And then after that's happened a few times, you realize when you break into that realm. Now that lady will not leave my church. If we run out of cookies on Mother's Day and she doesn't get one, she don't care. When you build your church on the Word of God and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to chase people around. Do you, now, do you think I'm going to have to ask her to invite people? Or do you think she doesn't even have to share the testimony? What's going to happen when every member of her family that saw her in a wheelchair sees her up walking around and jumping? They don't have to explain it. They're going to know Jesus is alive and he has a home at Revival Today Church. That will be the story of your ministry. You're going to walk in the power of God. The demonstration life of God will follow your ministry from today. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna. You, you, I thought you were gonna close it out. Lift up your hands, cause that's it. 
Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you for their ministries. I thank you that from this moment forward, there would be personal breakthroughs. There would be breakthroughs in their ministry. There would be breakthroughs roundabout. Everywhere they go, let there be uh, unusual breakthrough in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for divine favor to be poured upon every person here. I thank you that this month of November, the month of December to close out this year, that the greatest things that they've ever endeavored to do would begin to unravel in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Father, every form of stress, every form of fear to be broken off every individual here. I pray that they walk out of here full of faith, full of vitality, full of strength to do what they've been called to do in the mighty name of Jesus. And for every enemy represented here, Father, I thank you that you frustrate them. Frustrate everything that would set them back, that would hold them back, that would slow them down. For we know you're coming quickly and there is much work to be done. And so, Father, I thank you that they would begin to flow in the speed of of the Holy Ghost in the mighty name yes, of Jesus Lord. like it's been with us let it be unusually fast unusual acceleration come upon every person in this place just like it was when we had hands laid on us with Pastor Rodney and he said what took me 32 years of ministry to do let it come on you in a fraction of that time and that's exactly what happened and I proclaim just as my dad did it in the spirit over every person here what's taken us 17 years to build I thank you that it'll take you days in the mighty name of Jesus I bless the work of your hand I bless the work of your ministries in the mighty name of Jesus father give them unusual revelation of your word give them unusual understanding father I pray not just for finances father but for influence let every Everything they touch turn to gold. Let everything they do have supernatural blessing, supernatural favor attached to it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody here that has tumors, that has pain, that has uh, uh, things that would hold you back, every tree. In fact, I want you to place your hand over your head and every tree planted by the enemy in your body that would try to take you out before your time i command it to be uprooted now in the mighty name of jesus from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet i command healing to flow through you in the mighty name of jesus you will not stop because you're tired or because you're sick from this moment forward i thank you father for accelerating the work of their hands and for giving them unusual strength and energy the grace that is on this commission father i command it to flow on every person who wants it in the mighty name of jesus as it's been 17 years of ease of joy of 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 favor i pray that that would be said of every ministry represented here of every man and woman of god and in the mighty name of jesus i curse fear at its root whatever's causing 
you fear, whatever's causing you to feel frustrated and anxious and depressed, I command that to be uprooted now in the mighty name of Jesus. Now I want you to say this, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I'll do what you call me to do. I'll go where you call me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. And I'll do it with ease. I'm going to the top. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now go ahead and give God the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stay with me. Hallelujah. Lift both hands. Every weakness of every kind that the enemy's tried to affix to your body to keep you from being unable to carry out the work of the Lord, I command you to be healed now. Cartilage in your knee, organs that process blood, your heart, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, be healed in Jesus' name. Be supernaturally strong in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, there's an atmosphere that miracles and the anointing flow in. Some of you, you, you're going to have to change your praise and worship team. You can't have some depressed person with an acoustic guitar starting off with a slow song. They're not in the miracle flow. You don't start services with slow songs ever. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll come into his courts with praise, not worship. Praise. Fast, loud, unbridled expressions physically to the Lord to thank him. That's not a black thing. That's a Bible thing. Can you say amen? Can have somebody get up there? Stand if you're comfortable. Then the music fades. And you can't do that. You can't have people that sing songs of repentance. It's not time to repent at praise and worship service. Lord, I'm sorry for the thing I've... I didn't make it anything. Sorry your worship team's backslidden. Don't drag me into it. It's all about you. It's all about you. No, you can't do that. That's a down vibe. That'll hinder the anointing. You say, well, I don't have anyone else to lead. Use CDs. Or I don't think they have those anymore. MP3s. MP4s. Download music and play it. It'd be better than having some depressed person ruin your service. You're, you're praying and preparing for three days leading up to Sunday. You got some jerk coming in. It's not even half saved. I don't even know if that's theologically correct, but just go with me. And they, they, they make an atmosphere. I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost right now, some of you, the atmosphere at your church makes it difficult for you to preach. You come ready to preach, and after your worship service and video and, and funny video announcements and youth pastor coming up to make a couple jokes about... No one could preach there. Shambach would quit the ministry. Have it build. Have it build for when you get ready to preach. Have it up. Have it the way you want it, not the way you grew up hearing it done. Amen. Have it up. Have it powerful. Take a stand for it. Everybody say, stand for the anointing. I would just skip praise and worship and just start preaching it at, at, at uh, 10.05 if we didn't have... If we had the type of musicians they have at some churches that are 
dead and they're, I don't believe they're saved. I, I just would skip praise and worship and I'd go right into preaching. I would just do, I'm telling you, whatever changes the Lord's spoken to you to make during this thing, make them. Make your church where you're excited about Sunday morning, not uh, getting ready. Like you're, it should not feel like you're getting ready to go 12 rounds with Mike Tyson on Sunday morning. It's the joy of my life right now because Sunday morning, before the Lord spoke to me to start a church, I had already told it to us, I'm quitting Sunday mornings. I'm going to start my meeting Sunday night through Friday. I hate Sunday mornings at churches. I hate the preliminaries. I hate the whole thing. It's a ceremony. It's not a church service. It's not set up to preach. I'm done with it. It was, the, it was the service I least looked forward to. Two-thirds of the crowd didn't want to be there. They were looking forward to dismissal. I hated it. It was like the revival. You had to wait till Sunday night to get it going. Clear all the dead wood out. Start with a smaller crowd Sunday night and go from there. And it's the joy of my life now. Sunday morning at Revival Today Church. I can't. When my alarm goes off, I'm pumped. Because it doesn't feel like work. I'm going to come into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to let it rip. I have a... I have 799 excited people that love that aren't looking to leave, that stay. Amen. We'll crack 800 eventually, but I've enjoyed staying at 799. Amen. So what about you? What part of your church service on Sunday morning do you dread? Why do you have to have it? Cut announcements out. Put them on social media. Do video announcements. Where we, we do like it takes two minutes. Nobody dawdling up there. Some, some associate pastor looks like he died three years ago. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to make a couple announcements. You know, so you either miss it on the praise and worship or... You have tremendous praise and worship. Then run all the anointing out of the building in two minutes of announcements. Brother Anderson's coming to give the announcements. Hello. My wife, when she was having her goiter drained this week, okay, I quit. Have it set up so that when you get the mic to preach, the thing's primed. That you, you could read ABCs and people would be, be ready to receive. Because the praise and worship, everything, the service from the time it starts to the end should look like this. Not this. This. Praise. Into worship. Build the anointing. Then, it, then into, I'm going to show that video of that woman getting healed. And it'll go, it'll take it up. Then we'll preach. Welcome the TV audience and have it how you want it. There is nothing, nothing, I'm telling you, I've read the whole Bible cover to cover. There is nothing that it needs to go praise and worship, announcements, offering, preaching, prayer of dismissal. That's not in the Bible. You just saw other people do that and you think you have to do that on Sunday, but you don't. Set it up how you want it. Set it up so that you love coming to your church on Sunday. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you're the pastor and you hate going to your own church, how do you think the other people feel? Amen? So take all the parts out you don't like. Don't you do that at your house? I don't like that picture. Take it off the wall. I don't want to look at it anymore. I don't want a house that I don't enjoy being in. I want my coffee there. I want my coffee maker. I want the TV on MLB Network. Have it how you want it where you enjoy the house. Have your church 
where you enjoy, where you look forward, where actually Sunday morning is the highlight of your week as the pastor. Everybody say it's possible. Get rid of anybody that's in your office that makes you dread going into your own office. You'd take a side door to not have to talk to the lady. She's standing, looking there like one of the member of the Adams family. Pastor, a couple of things I need to run by you. Ah! I think I'm the oldest person other than uh, Pastor, Pastor Dean. I'm the oldest on my staff. We have young people, and Pastor Dean's a young person in... in just, just not on his driver's license. He's not, an, he's not an old man. He's a young man. Have young people around. Have people that have energy and enthusiasm and life and joy. Amen? Get rid of joy killers. There's people the devil sends into your ministry. Their whole purpose is to sap your joy. There's somebody that waits. Listen now. There's people here. There's somebody that waits for you at the end of every service. Take one of those tribal blow dart guns next Sunday. <laughs> you, know, you know what you can say? You can say, excuse me, I've talked to you the last two Sundays. I want to meet some of the other people in the congregation because they're actually, it's a demonic thing to keep you from meeting anybody or, or mixing in with the other people. Always the same person. I had a question about something you preached. Oh, shocker. That's 19 Sundays in a row. You know, an old pastor from Ontario told me, remember this, Jonathan, Satan never wants you to leave a service happy. You have a great service. Lady gets healed from seven strokes. And then on your way out, my husband had a problem with one of the things you said. That's the devil. So let me tell you something. If you feel like leaving a service right after you preach, leave. You have no obligation to go shake. Joel Osteen does not stand at the back of the Omni Center in Houston and shake hands with 18,000 people. He'd have carpal tunnel syndrome and need rotator cuff surgery. I'm not saying you got to dodge everybody. I stay after and talk, and you meet a lot of great people. At our church, it goes in the opposite direction. Don't be a prisoner in your own ministry. Amen. Set your church up where you love it. Because I'm telling you, Sunday morning was my least favorite time of the week as an evangelist. And now, I have the same feeling, like knowing I have to preach this Sunday morning, is that it'd be like if I knew I had to meet my dad at, a, at Capitol Grill to have steak together. I, uh, great. It doesn't even feel like work. I already have my notes. I'll give you another key. When do you prepare your sermon? Prepare directly after you finish preaching on Sunday. You're in the preaching anointing. There's already something stirring in your heart for next week. Go excuse yourself for four minutes, and you'll be able to do four hours of sermon prep in under three minutes. Boom, 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 boom. Scripture, scripture, and then meditate on it the rest of the week. It's hard on Saturday after watching college football to try to get in the preaching anointing in your living room. Can you say amen? You know who I stole that from? Tommy Barnett. He prepared all his sermons Sunday after Sunday morning service, went straight back to his office, wrote down what was in his spirit for next week, and then away he went. Amen? Amen. I trust you were blessed this week.
I trust you are blessed this week. It won't be possible for you to remain at the same level now. You're not going up and down. No more ups and downs. No more one step forward, two step backwards. No more ups and downs, just ups and ups. From glory to glory. From victory to victory. From strength to strength. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands one final time. I release the anointing of the Holy Ghost into into your spirit right now. In Jesus' name. When you preach this next time, it's going to feel like you're not doing anything different, but it's going to be different. Manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Signs, wonders, and miracles. In Jesus' name. Great testimonies. The kind of testimonies will happen in your meetings that shock you. Are you sure it was in my service? Oh, yeah. Are you you're sure you got healed when I was preaching? Oh, yeah. When you were preaching, I felt my, my deaf ear came open. Without praying, that's going to be what you have from now on. In Jesus' name. You're going to have the best closeout to a year you've ever had. November and December are not going to be a repeat of other months. You're going to have the best two months you've ever had. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. No more ups and downs. Just ups and ups. From glory to glory. Victory to victory. Strength to strength. All the Ghanaian pastors that are present, you're going to start to have breakthroughs into the into other cultures in your city. You're going to reach all kinds of people in your city. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? They won't be able to peg what kind of church it is. It'll be just be a church with all kinds of people in it. In Jesus' name. Congratulations in advance on the best 12 months of ministry that you've ever had till we meet again. I won't receive any prayer requests from you. I'll only receive testimonies. Nobody will need to keep you in prayer. People will only need to keep whoever is assigned to discourage you in prayer. Amen. This lady with the nice glasses on and short hair, plaid shirt, lift your hands right there. Close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Receive a fresh baptism of joy in Jesus' name. That's it. Go right through you. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say open doors. I want to tell all the evangelists that are here. You only need, you don't need a schedule full of meetings. You need one meeting. That meeting could go 20 weeks. It's actually a mistake to book a full calendar. I got all 50 weeks booked. Great. Guarantees you can't get any meetings extended and you can't have a revival. All you need is one meeting. One right door. And away you go.
Lift your hands. God will give you that open door. The right meeting with the right pastor at the right place. In Jesus' name. If something opens up for you overseas and you keep getting invitations, stay. Stay and preach till you get deported. In Jesus' name. Don't be in a rush to get home to America. Especially if you don't even have any kids or anything. Just go have fun on the mission field. What are you rushing back to your apartment for? Got to walk the dog. Sell the dog. Go preach. Sell it to any Chinese restaurant. Don't do the last part, but the point is, preach. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down and look up at me. I asked my Uncle Ted when I was like 23. I said, uh, knowing everything you know now, what would you do differently if you were my age and could do everything over again? Like if you could morph back to being 23, what would you do differently? I'm waiting for fast, something about fasting and prayer, study of the word, laying on of hands. Very quickly he answered, I would always do things the way, I would always do what made things easiest on me. Look, that's like the opposite of everything I heard in Bible college. Then he went on. If the pastor wanted to go out to lunch and I was tired and wanted to rest, I'd go home and rest. I don't want to feel any obligation to go out. I would just do what's best for my body and to be at my best for the work of the Lord. People aren't tripped up by demons. They're tripped up by obligations that they feel they need to honor that they don't need to honor. Everybody say, do it the way you want it. You know, two of the nights, Bishop Dagg left after he was done preaching and didn't even say bye to me. I cried myself to sleep. You know why he left? I didn't ask him. I'm guessing he was done. What do you want him to do? He preached for three hours, then prayed for everything that moved. He's done. Um, one more thing. No. And so did he feel bad about not saying bye? No. That's the secret to a long ministry. If you feel like you have to wait and sit and talk to everybody, he'd die. He would die 10 years earlier doing that. There are people that would kill you if you let them talk as much as they wanted to. You would die standing in front of them, and they'd keep talking. You ever have somebody talk to you and you think, I could replace myself with an orange cone, and nothing would change in this conversation. And so I... They're not even looking at you. You feel like going like. They're there to kill you. It's my, it's my personal feeling that they're there to kill you. Your eyes are rolling back in your head. You're weaving. And so then I told my sister, and this was in 1989, 89. We're in 2023. I have, a, I have 34 years more to get to now. One lady I finished preaching, she went, back in 1974, I went, sooner. Let's start within the last 48 hours. And so I wanted to tell you, is this story available in hardback? <laughs> Good Lord, you're like the walking Lord of the Rings. Don't let him kill you. Amen? Think what the, then you had a great service and you leave tired. Uh, 
Uh, honey, I know I said we were going to go out to eat, but I'm just going to go home and take a rest. So they ruined your lunch with your wife and family. For what? If you preach a proper sermon and pray for everyone and somebody still needs help, go get help somewhere. I did everything I could do. Amen? Do your help from the pulpit. Don't run around and wear yourself out trying to sort everybody out. Amen? And I wait after and greet people. Our church is different. We just have people come up to compliment and be nice. I've had no negative experience after church, but other churches when I was an evangelist, talk to you real quick. I had a question about something you said. There's no way you could have a question about something I said. I couldn't speak any more clearly. You might not like something I said and want me, give me a chance to re-say it, but don't tell me you didn't understand what I, what did you mean by take your balls back? (laughs) And immediately the musician stopped. I'm sorry. Did he say what I think I said? No, you don't have a question about what I said. You want me to alter my sermon so you're comfortable with my new thing. People are waiting after to talk to you. They know exactly what you meant. The Holy Spirit dealt with them, and they want you to let them off the hook. Can I meet with you on Tuesday? No. I have nothing more to say. You you heard what I said. You don't need met with. Do you know what John Osteen said? I do all my counseling from the pulpit. Because... 99 times out of 100, they want to meet with you because they know exactly what they're supposed to do, but they want an, uh, an out from you. Don't waste your time doing that. That's not pastoring. That's time wasting. Can you say amen? amen? Let me tell you one final thing, and I'll leave you alone until next year. This is my daughter. You know what happens with most preacher's kids? Their dad is always running around chasing whoever the biggest problem is in the church. That kid's on heroin. He needs prayer in the family. That Their kid just threatened suicide. So I'm gonna go, and they can never spend time with their kid. And the kid realizes, my dad will only spend time with you if you're in trouble. So I'll become the biggest trouble so it forces my dad to spend time with me. I'm telling you something. As a preacher's kid, that's what happens. If you're always chasing the biggest problem, your child will subconsciously make up their mind they're going to become the biggest problem so that you'll spend time with them. Don't reward bad behavior. Reward good behavior. Jesus didn't spend time with the nine most demon-possessed people in Israel. He spent time with Peter, James, and John, and mostly John. True or false? Don't let the devil trick you that if you spent more time with everyone, everybody would be fixed. Jesus couldn't fix Judas. God the Father couldn't fix Eve. Sow the word. Some people receive it. Some people reject it. You can't fix that. Be comfortable in it. Go reach new people. When the rich young ruler refuses to do what you say, do what Jesus didn't watch him go, go find somebody else. Can you say amen? And that concludes Breakthrough in Ministry 2023. Let's take 30 unbridled seconds and give Jesus a great praise. Come on, musicians. Come on. Let the Lord hear that he has a great army. A great army. A new generation of Holy Ghost teachers and pastors and evangelists and Christian workers. Come on, lift it up. You're not going back to life the way it was.
so sorry that he's the devil. The earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know that B3 organ that's there? I said one Sunday, I want a B3 organ at this church. Somebody called from Florida and said, I have a B3 organ. I'm shipping it up. Have it the way you want it. God will facilitate it. I don't want acoustic guitar. I want organ. Now we have, you can play acoustic guitar. I don't want it the lead horse in the parade. I like piano, organ, drums, bass, Pentecostal music. Not some guy that was playing at a Starbucks Saturday night in church Sunday morning. Failed Pearl Jam cover band. Why do you have a wristband on? It's praise and worship. Take it easy, Eddie Vedder. Amen? Who's been helped? Who's not going to be the same? Who's got their breakthrough in ministry? Well, go ahead. Sing them out with a song of victory. Make some friends on the way out. We love you. We love you. We love you. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.